So welcome in. It is a four-round rookie mock draft. This is the 2021 NFL draft class, the pre-draft edition. So we are doing it before the NFL draft. So these guys are willing to put themselves out there. My name is Sonny. You can find me on Twitter at Big Knowledge FFB, BKF Sonny. And welcome in, guys. We are getting it all set up right now. I have a few guests. I'd like to introduce them to you guys as far as the podcast is concerned, anyone who's watching on YouTube. Um, Scott Connor is joining me again. Thank you for joining me again from last year. Scott, you can find him on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. Scott is not only analytical, but he is philosophical. He is the FFPC main event champ, or maybe even more than once. And uh, he also has a great Dynasty podcast called Dynasty and Chill. So uh, he's a very well-rounded dude, and I'm very excited to have him on with us. So welcome, Scott. How you doing? Good, man. Appreciate uh, being back. We did this a year ago. It was fun. And uh, when I got the message from you, hey, you want to do it again? Uh, I think I responded within like three minutes. <laughs> I was, yeah. T- time and place and let me know. Oh, and I'll it's be so there, fun, so. man. It's like going out for a round of golf or something. I'm just, I'm, I've been waiting for this all day. It's great. Yes, so sir. my second guest is also a podcaster. And uh, John June, you can find him on Twitter at Junior Football Nerd. My guy, John June, is a fantasy football sniper. He is a fantasy football he, – he's like a vacuum of talent. He's still – because this is – I'm speaking from somebody who's in leagues with him. He's just if – you, if you're in a league with him, he vacuums up all the good talent. He is a true, true, true friend in terms of the fantasy world, and he is also a true rival. So uh, welcome. He is a, the host of the Fantasy Football Diagnostic Process. I always leave the football part out because your podcast <laughs> – you leave a little football in there instead of actually the word football, so I always think that is – the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, my man, John June. Welcome, man. How you doing? Good, Sonny. Good, man. Good good to be on again. I, I think we did a show last year, uh, but, you know, just to be on with you, I mean, like you said, we play in leagues together. We have we formed a little rivalry, so <laughs> to be able, once we found out we both do podcasts and things, we, we found one other thing to connect over other than stealing players from each other, so. For sure. I don't know if I'd ever told you had you not told me <laughs> that you did a podcast. <laughs> it might still be my secret to this day. So I'm glad you told me, though, because now we, it's going to be a really interesting draft moving forward. That's to say the least. Yes, definitely. And then we have one more guest, and he's a listener, as I promised. And I don't know anything about David. So Dave or David uh, Vasicek, you can find him on Twitter at FF Reality Check. Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let everybody know. Who is this guy that's going to come in and show up these podcasters, right? Let them know who's this guy once once you kind of give us all a lesson in, in mock drafting. Well, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully I don't embarrass myself too much. But um, longtime player, don't contribute into the podcast space. I have a very small corner of Twitter that I conceal myself in just to watch, stay connected, get my Adam Schefter notifications every day. Um Excited to make some mistakes today. Um, big into the NFL draft. Um, the way I play Dynasty now is I try to hoard as many rookie picks, move up, try to grab as many first rounders. I've always enjoyed the NFL draft. I love the process. I love college football. So Dynasty is a natural fit for that. And, and the Bears are your go. team. The Bears are your team. Uh, unfortunately, you unfortunately, the Bears are my team <laughs> as a lifelong Bears fan, which is Troubling, but I know we have Bengals fans and Jets fans. I'm, I'm a Bronco sorry, fan. Hey, we're kind of in the same boat. We're all that's middle, not too bad. That's middle feeders. Bad. That's... We're middle feeders. Yeah. 
Great. Well, welcome. Okay, so we're gonna we've got a lot of picks to get to, so we're gonna kind of just get into it, not waste too much time. I'm gonna give a little bit of primer since I didn't even give you guys a very good primer. I might as well at least give the listeners a little primer. Give you these guys are literally we're still asking questions about what the format was and how we're gonna do this because that was how poorly uh, planned out. I just I just figured, oh, you're in. All right, I'll see you on Friday night. We're gonna do a live mock draft. So it's it is gonna be a, a four round mock draft. And it is going to be super flex and tight end premium. I like to do that just because I feel like it adds, um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to extrapolate from a regular, uh, from a super flex draft into a regular draft than it is the other way around. So this way we can kind of include some quarterbacks and tight ends that might not be included. Um, in terms of scoring, Scott asked this question. There is no actual scoring in terms of how we would set up this league. This one can be a little more flexible if they have or we have any kind of ideas in terms of how um, it would be different based on different scoring. Like I might choose this, if it was this scoring, I might go this way. That can all be included. Uh, so there's a little flexibility there. I wanted, I didn't want to kind of like pigeonhole everybody into how they would draft. Um, we're going to be drafting four in order, four of us. Uh, David is the honor of the first pick. John will get the second pick, Charles with the third, and I will take the fourth pick and then we'll keep going from there. So Dave will get the fifth, John, the sixth, Charles, seventh, on and on. And we'll go ahead and go through four rounds. Um, we're going to try to keep it so that whoever makes the pick does most of the talking in terms of the player, um, just because we have about two minutes per pick. But if anybody wants to say something, you have something really important, you want to you know, chime in on a player, by all means, just, just chime on in. So that is it. I'm, I'm really just so excited to be here. Uh, thank you all for joining us. I don't know if we have people in the chat room or not. I can't really see anything. But uh, welcome if you are. And uh, let's go ahead and get the draft started. Ding, ding, ding. David, you are on the clock. Superflex picks 1-1. One, one. Superflex, it is also tight end premium, so I do have a couple of different options if I wanted to get a little crazy with it. Uh, now, since this is before the NFL draft, this is going to be super easy. After the NFL draft, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of different voices out there saying San Francisco quarterback or some other options at the 101, just mostly because I think the space gets really bored of talking about the Joe Burrows or the Trevor Lawrences. Um, but with this pick, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. I just think he is the can't miss quarterback. I think the rest of them have some other things you might worry about. Obviously, landing spot being the biggest one. Um, I'm also okay with trading this pick if I have it, um, but I need a, I need a lot. I need more. Uh, I need something to really, really move me off. I need a couple, at least a couple top 10 picks in this draft. Uh, if somebody wants to give me more than that, I'm excited. If somebody wants to give me a can't miss player that plus Saquon Barkley plus something crazy, I'm okay with that. Um, I like to be in that power position of being able to sell the valuable asset, but um, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence, not look back. I can always move him later if something catches my eye. Did, when you said uh, that you you had a feeling that San Francisco, are you thinking that San Francisco is not going to take Mac Jones like the everyone seems to be predicting? Because that's the only I, way I personally could see somebody actually possibly yeah. jumping Trevor, and I still don't see it, but... That's I just, definitely I don't curious. think Mac Jones would be that pick. I don't think anyone would talk about it. You don't think so? Well. I think, well, I, I think it could be the actual pick. I just don't. Right, the actual pick. I mean, to move three first-round picks to move up for Mac Jones, I just. Listen to the choir. <laughs> I, I, I know Schefter. I know uh, Peter Schrager, Daniel Jeremiah. All the people who are the most connected, more than I'll ever imagine to be, are talking up Mac Jones as the pick. But 
it's John Lynch and he's a wild man and he does strange things. And I could see Trey Lance being the pick. I could see Justin Fields being the pick. Um, I think if one of those two are the pick, this summer will be very, very interesting because I think that's going to be a more desirable landing spot than Jacksonville just because of the reputation. Even though I think Jacksonville and your New York Jets are going to surprise a lot of people this year um, with their new coaching staff, with all of the the revamp that they're they're doing in, in those organizations. That's John's New York Jets, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, in, in, so yes, um, this is where it gets difficult. Now, that first pick was pretty easy. Now, I'm honestly been thinking about my fourth pick because I kind of knew I'd take the fourth spot. But I, honestly, it'd be hard to two or the three. I think so. John, welcome yes. to the actual draft where this is where <laughs> actually some counts and this is a real decision to make. So, what what are you doing? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, tight end premium definitely. Uh, if if we're just talking superplex, this is an easy pick. Like Dave was saying, Trevor Lawrence, you don't look back. Um, you know, but with it being tight end premium, I do have to consider Kyle Pitts. I I have I probably would have considered him at one hundred and one. Uh, the only thing that would give me pause post draft, right? We're doing this pre draft, so like Dave was saying, we don't know landing spots. But if Justin Fields was to land up with was to end up with Kyle Shanahan, uh, I think that that would – I mean, we'd be having a conversation about maybe potentially taking him over Trevor. Um, we would have to have a conversation about him being the number two pick, period. Um, but I don't know that landing spot. Uh, if it's Trey Lance, I probably don't feel the same way because you, you probably think that Trey Lance might have to sit a little bit. Um, but I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts here in this spot. I feel like I have to. I feel like I just made Sonny upset, so that makes me think I'm doing the right thing. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts here. You just look at a guy who's got freakish athleticism. He's got the largest wingspan ever uh, recorded by a tight end in the last 20 years. Uh, this this dude's just an absolute freak, and he, he's going to be productive from day one. And that, that's not something you usually say with a tight end position, but Kyle Pitts is, is once-in-a-lifetime in prospect. I was actually I I feel like it, it made my decision a little easier at one four. It was the only thing I honestly because yeah, it, it's really tough for you in this spot without knowing where these quarterbacks go. But yeah, it's this Kyle Pitts thing. He's just flying up the boards. I I, I talked about it in my podcast, and I feel like I just yeah, it, it, I'm gonna have to wait till next year and hope that, that somebody's really disappointed. And hope he disappoints because at this point the price is just <laughs> it's getting out of control. My man takes him at one two. Yeah, and it's tight end premium. And there's, I mean, there are leagues. I'm in a tight end premium where like literally first downs get a point and a half. And every not just the not just the the yards, but the yards, the catches, the first downs, everything is more points for the tight end. You, that's where he's one one almost hands down. But a lot of other places, I don't know. It's still tough for me to, to convince myself. I, I think I got burned because I, I one of my my first year was an Ebron year, and I took Ebron with that kind of like I'm set at tight end for the rest of my you know dynasty. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> So we'll see. Anyway, Scott, so now it's on you and you've got, you look at it, uh, you know, the, this is, this is, I'll, I feel like this whole first round, there's actually a lot of challenging picks. I'm, I'm excited to do it only because it's putting us all on the spot. What you got? Yeah. So uh, interesting stuff. I mean, you mentioned before, I, I, all the, all the hearsay about the, the landing spot for the 49ers, I'll follow Vegas. Vegas flipped to Justin Fields as the majority of the favorite right now. So when did I'll that happen? When did that happen? Last night, early oh, today. I love to that. I love that. So, That's awesome. I hadn't heard that, but I love that. That that makes a lot more sense. I was wondering how the, the Mac Jones was such a odds-on favorite besides just the public kind of. Right. Well, I mean, 
and that's also betting trends, so it's not necessarily predictive, but coming off of Fields' is pro day, I mean, you can see where maybe the public shifts towards that. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily the pick, but I, I'm not even sure that it matters uh, where he goes. Um, I think Justin Fields is clearly the 102 or 103, possibly the 104. I don't think you can go wrong with any of the top four picks. I was anti-Kyle Pitts for the first couple months of draft season. But now here's the thing. We're at the point, it doesn't even matter if he sucks. His value is already higher than the pick you're picking him with. I think if he doesn't go out and get hurt, he's the tight end one next year. That's where his value is going to be. Now, you may say he's not going to produce like a tight end one. He's not going to get there for three or four years. It doesn't matter. It's almost like you're paying a $10 bill and you're getting a 20 right back. That's exactly what you're getting with Kyle Pitts. So I don't think you can draft him high enough simply because you're getting a now, Sonny may push back a positional advantage as soon as you hit draft on Kyle Pitts from a dynasty value perspective. I've sure. seen startups. He's gone ahead of Kittle. He's gone ahead of Waller in startups. That's insane. I'm sorry. That's uh, insane. I, I, I have been burned. Like I said, I have seen tight ends let us down on a number of occasions. So I, I am going to push back on this only because I feel like this is the opposite where you're paying the $20 up front. You're paying for him to be that all pro tight end right away. Yes, if you get him in a rookie draft and you get him with the third or fourth pick, then it's really not that valuable. But if, I don't know, if you're sacrificing it for a quarterback like a Justin Fields or something, I don't know. I feel like there's just a lot more downside. The, the, the Justin Fields pick, he's if he doesn't start right away, if he does start right away, then there's a very small chance that he completely flails out to the point where his value is decimated, like a Dwayne Haskins or something. But if he doesn't, it, it, there's a lot of years that we see even with Sam Darnold that you hold your value where a tight end, I think recency bias, if he comes out and he just doesn't dominate it, just like a Hawkinson or something, then people get doubts and they go, Oh yeah, that tight end position, you know, you don't just can't guarantee it. Maybe he's not blocking well enough, whatever it is. That's what worries me. I think there's a much more chance of the floor falling out um, than a lot of these other players that were taking the same thing. So I mean, is it my pick now? Or we, or we might as well just, it's well, your pick, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Go for I it. just talk. wanted to say no, one thing. on Kyle Pitts. No, I agree with what Scott is saying. You could totally flip Kyle Pitts because everyone's going to come in with that same narrative, right? Because Sonny, people like you are saying, Oh, well, I'm just going to buy Kyle Pitts next year. Well, if you're going in off that narrative, the person who has Kyle Pitts is then knows that that's what you're coming in off of. And you're going to have to pay a premium still. You're not going to get them at that significant discount. And then also to your point, if you are building this team, it depends on what your roster is currently constructed. Like, cause say, say you had Dak Prescott, right? You have Dak Prescott and maybe you have Baker Mayfield and, and uh, Sam Darnold contingent, right? Maybe you're, 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 maybe you're saying I can make it through with quarterback for another year between this trio. And let me get the positional advantage with Kyle Pitts and I'm out. Let me add this one more thing. One more thing, Sonny. Yes, I've yes, done yes, the yes. research over the last five years. One tight end drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft has lost more than a half round of dynasty value. That's it. They do not go down in value. Now, they may not spike in value. But right? none of them have been it, worth what Kyle Pitts is worth either. You're it, talking about guys who are picked as, as kind of like fifth, seventh, like startup draft or way later. Kyle Pitts is right. being drafted as an, is right away, and he has to perform. And if he doesn't perform, believe me, you're saying now what those people are, how they're thinking. But they're not going to be thinking that when they've had a full season to watch him and he disappoints, and then they're stuck there going like, man, I overpaid. I still, I, I said this in my podcast, I, you're still going to have to pay a lot. But you may not have to pay this gross like – 
there is a like it's just i don't know he's already in the hall of fame as far as a lot of people saying and he's got the longest arms in the history of prospects <laughs> and all kinds of stuff I mean, it's great to see i would love to get some confidence but i just don't like i don't like players that i know that position almost never succeeds and yet here we are saying he's a guaranteed lock it's like huh. that uh, so anyway i'll go to my pick so trey lance <laughs> is going to be my pick and the only reason I'm taking Trey Lance, even though I really just struggled and thought about this all day, is because I feel like there's two quarterbacks, two in this class, that can be superstars in terms of most fantasy football leagues, most super flex leagues, and their rushing ability is just off the charts. They can jump right into that top five and blow out the water any kind of value of all these other players we're talking about. And that's why I'm going to take Trey Lance with the idea that, just like you said, he's going to hold his value. If he's behind somebody else, he's not going to start. doesn't really matter because – my goal is to have a highly valuable asset and I can't go wrong. And I feel like, yes, the running backs, there's some good running backs there, but they're also like, they're not the premier. I feel like they're not as good as last year. There's, there's potential for them to not land in the perfect spot or have the, the actual role that, that immediately produces for me. And so it's like to me, especially in Superflex and especially this year, because I'm looking at this draft class and it's just a really solid draft year. And I heard you talking about this on your podcast, Scott, how 2022 looks kind of like a weak draft uh, class. And yet at the same time, like I've heard stories that there's a lot of people who aren't coming out this year because they were granted an extra year of eligibility. And therefore they're not coming out this year. I'm thinking like, well, if they're not coming out this year and then next year's class is that week, what is where where is it at it's like this it's like it's, it happened from last year and it's pushing all the way to 2023 or something i don't know but i feel like it's rare that you see uh, just a, a, a potential talent like a trey lance i i just his rushing ability his passing ability it, it he could flop but we've seen how um it would take a long time for his value to to really fall off even with um, him having some failings or some some early struggles. So as as much as the other running backs and Kyle Pitts was definitely that's why I said almost I kind of cringed only because I felt like when you took him it made the one four a lot easier. Where Kyle Pitts, Trey Lance, I don't know their landing spots, so it was kind of getting a little closer for me. But yeah, the quarterback situation because those two, I'm going to go ahead and just take the 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 other one of the two. I think Trevor Lawrence is great and he'll be great, um, especially like John. You and I have some leagues where the court was one quarterback, but the quarterbacks literally outscore players by four four to one or something ridiculous so that the quarterbacks have a huge amount of value. Trevor Lawrence to, to me there is very valuable, but in most general, you know, fantasy football, uh, that, that rushing is just so, so valuable. And, and uh, Trey Lance, it's, he's just, he's amazing when you watch him run. And then I, I I'm going to bet on that upside. I really like what I see in terms of all the other intangibles and, and just kind of cross my fingers. You, you never know. So there we are. We are at one five. Let's go ahead and move on to David. At 105, I don't know if I can mess it up, but I would have a lot of anxiety over which stud to choose here um, out of some non-quarterbacks. I could go a quarter, I could go with the quarterback. There's one more that I kind of like in the first round here, um, but I just don't believe in them. And I think my real choice is between the top running back or the top wide receiver. Um, and just for positional scarcity to kind of break the tie there, I'm going to go with the running back, Najee Harris. Um, I wouldn't fault anybody if they had ETN over Harris as the top running back just based on his speed, because I do love ETN. But I think Najee Harris is that can't miss running back. And there are not very many good running backs before the draft here. Um, there's going to be some that I think we love the landing spot that go higher in the draft than 
we were expecting. Um, but 6'1", 230, can catch like a tight end, uh, can run in between the tackles, can break to the outside. I think people knock his speed. I think he's got fine speed. Um, I think he's got top 10 running back potential over the next couple of years. He's a little bit older. He's 23, but I don't care uh, because running backs don't have that long to go anyway. If I don't like him after a year and he's 24, 25, I can sell him for a lot more than I could probably sell uh, the top wide receiver. And in this draft in particular, just like last year, I think we're going to be talking about a lot of wide receivers into the fourth round that we feel okay about or we like the potential of. Um, we're not going to be feeling so great about the running backs that keep coming in there. Um, even though I do love the top wide receivers, I hope to grab one with my next pick. Um, and there's going to be some great ones at the end of the first round. Um, in some of my leagues, I've traded up from the late first just to be able to get a chance at some of these top running backs because after two or three, there's a lot of hoping and wishing and I don't feel great about them. So I'm going to take Najee Harris here and feel awesome that I've got one of those kind of stud RB1, RB2s to fill in there and the value will just keep growing. All right, well said. Anything else to add? We well, we'll get to, to I was just going to add, we'll get to, uh, depending on what's left that John leaves me at my next pick. Um, I do have one thing to push back on what Dave said, but we'll get to it. Let's see what John does here at the 106. It'll make my point either uh, irrelevant or very good. Well, um, yeah, I, I was surprised that I'm going to get this next guy here. Uh, maybe it's, it's what I like to call the reverse Jets tax. Um, you know, the Jets used to have to pay free agents more money just to get them to sign. And in fantasy, you get Jets players at a discount. I'm going to take Zach Wilson. Um, I have him as my QB3. He could fall to as low as my QB4, depending on landing spots. Obviously, he, he wouldn't be higher than my QB3, though. I'm getting him here as QB4. Uh, you know, this this guy is is has the ability to be a really phenomenal passer, but he's also got uh, really underrated athleticism, um, and he's got enough mobility that he's going to be relevant enough in fantasy in terms of getting – uh, you know, really all we need is quarterbacks that have an ability to get a first down with their legs, right? Because that keeps the drive going. That puts you in score, scoring opportunities. And, you know, 30 rushing yards a game, that's an extra three points. I mean, that's just at the end of the day, um, it's more than enough, right? So I think Zach Wilson is going to have that ability just and then combine with the offense that he's going to be in with Mike LaFleur. You know, the Shanahan offense seems to be a perfect fit for him. And so – uh, you know, especially if you're in these quarterback premium leagues like we are in Sunny, where you get these point per completions, this guy is going to be a high volume passer. You could kind of just get that sense already. I mean, who's the Jets starting running back anyway? So um, Zach Wilson, I he's my pick here. QB uh, QB three on my board, uh, pick number six, but I'm taking Zach Wilson. Good stuff. I was going to uh, thought that you might take Zach Wilson there, being the Jets fan. Just curious, are you happy with them potentially taking Zach Wilson? Like, are you uh, you good so, with the moves they've made so far? I mean, 
the, in terms of getting moving on from Sam Darnold, you had no no other choice. I mean, you, the contract situation and everything else. You you're organically picking at two, and there's just a good a good quarterback class. For me personally, if I was turning in this card myself, it would be Justin Fields. I think that kid has absolutely star potential. Um, his draft process right now is kind of reminding me of the one that Deshaun Watson went through a few years ago, um, and so you know, everybody's second guessing him for all these reasons. I have no idea, but turn on the tape. The dude's a baller. So uh, Justin Fields, I it would be my, my preference here, but that's no slight at Zach Wilson. I, I have them two A, two B, in my opinion. I just lean towards Justin Fields. When you look at where the game is going with quarterbacks and their mobility and their ability to, to make, to be impactful as runners and around the goal line. And you got a guy like Justin Fields, who's got a rocket for a right arm and is deadly accurate, but is also 230 pounds and runs a 4-4. So, um, yeah, I, I sign me up for that. I totally agree. I, I I have a hard time with this one because I feel like it, it, it feels like this 2020 class that we're seeing where – they're not getting enough film, and all of a sudden, I, I just I think the the NFL likes to go on what they've seen, and and they're seeing. I just don't understand how when Justin Fields dominates Trevor Lawrence, and everyone just kind of forgets that game. Like, oh yeah, that, that didn't happen. But did you see, you know, Zach Wilson's throw when he rolled out in the pro day, or did you, you know, him dominating at BYU for one season? And they talk about all of his amazing arm, the angles and stuff, and it's like. I don't know. It, that's what worries me is just like it's such a small sample size. There's a very red flag for me with his size, um, with the limited amount we've seen it. And and there, he had a great protection. So we haven't seen him when he's actually playing behind the Jets offensive line. And it's not so, it's not so hunky dory. And he's got NFL guys, you know, breaking down his neck every play. Then we'll see how he processes everything. And, and I think that that's why those athletic quarterbacks really make a big difference because there aren't very many great offensive lines that are protecting their quarterbacks for the way that, mm -hmm. that Zach Wilson got protected. So I worry for you uh, with that pick. I, I would do the same. I would be in the Justin Fields camp. So whose pick are we at now? Is it me? Who are we? It's Scott. Scott. Okay. Yeah. So here's what I'll lay out that, uh, that Dave mentioned. He, he, he said something in there that a year ago I would have pumped my fist and been like, I totally agree with you. We've seen a shift though. This isn't about Najee Harris. I can't argue that he's the RB1. Uh, now, here's the thing. I've done some research on running back impacts. Najee Harris's profile would not have been in the top five last year. Height, weight, speed, he does not add up with the other players that got drafted last year and even a couple guys two, three years before. Now, forget about that he was old. I was wrong hating on Najee because he was old. Now, I'll say this. If you run the comp list, and I know there are outliers, if you don't put Najee Harris in the top 40 picks and you run the comp list based on his age and based on his profile, it's not that good. You got guys like Carlos Hyde that get in the mix. I mean, those are the high end in terms of just historical biographical profiles. But it's not even that. I think he did enough last year. My bet against Najee Harris last year was, why isn't he coming out? Is he scared of this year's class, which would have been 2020? Why is he going back? You know, he could have been heads up with Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. No, he went back. He was already a year too old for his class, and he went back for another season. 
My bet, though, was there's no way he can raise his draft capital, right? There's no way he can get into the first round. And then I'll be darned. Here he is. He may go in the first round. So I was wrong about that. Uh, but what Dave said was this. I think we've seen a shift. With his profile not being up to snuff, at least compared to the guys last year, we've seen a flip. Jamar Chase is going to be my pick. You can sell Jamar Chase for more than you can sell Najee Harris on the open market. Jamar Chase is right there already for me with A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs. He's a wide receiver, top six or seven in the league already. All he needs, Jamar Chase has 800 yards. He is a top 15 startup pick. I, ha- I will guarantee he's ahead of Najee Harris. So value-wise, I actually think if you have Justin Jefferson right now, you can sell him more for than almost every running back in Dynasty. Maybe two or three are ahead of him. Fair or not. But I think we're already, it's just like Kyle Pitts. We are already cashing in on the value of this pick with Jamar Chase. You're basically picking him at 107 for what equates to be 102 or 103 in startup value. So I actually think it's more equity and less risk. Uh, I think there's more risk with Najee Harris. If Najee Harris goes out and does not perform, all of a sudden you have a average profile running back who's 24 and all the question marks are coming out. Jamar Case comes out and has, I don't know, 50 catches, 700 yards. His value is not going down. It may not skyrocket. It's still going to be inside the top 12 to 15 for wide receivers. So I actually think he's a safer pick with higher upside. So I think it's a slam dunk to get him at 107. Completely agree. I think you made a lot of really good points there. And and if you are drafting for value, I think that you make an excellent point that Chase has, in terms of just people's mindset, he's already there. He's already one of those elite receivers. doesn't even matter. And with running backs, if running backs disappoint, it's a lot more disappointing than if wide receivers disappoint. You expect wide receivers to disappoint to some extent. So I think that's a great point. I would say that in terms of the running backs, what Dave was saying, I agree with him as well in the sense that if you need running backs, there aren't that many options. And so you may need to pay up, but it is an interesting dilemma where there, it, I kind of feel the way you feel. There's not like superstar running back unless, unless my pick lands in a spot that is really beneficial. And if Travis Etienne lands in a spot that really suits his skill set, then we could have that bell cow back. And that's who I'm taking Travis Etienne. I just feel like, you know, there's a, I have him in Debbie. So I will admit that I'm probably a little partial. I've had him for years I, his running style is a little awkward. He kind of has his feet that are bowed out, which creates kind of, I think gives him an advantage. If you look at certain, uh, I remember Julio Cesar Chavez had a really thick skull and that's why he could take so many jabs and so many punches to the, to that forehead that a lot of uh, fighters couldn't take. And I feel like certain guys have a certain build that just actually benefits him. And the fact that ETN can get the speed he can get with a kind of stance that allows him to actually leverage. He's always in a position of leverage. It's always kind of, he's not, he's not like never getting pushed a lot of ways and he can still explode up the field and get speed. Um, and then his pass catching has really come along. He is, it's just one of those few backs that I feel like can really um, get him in the right spot, given a, a team that doesn't overuse him or has the right uses for him and can really ex- exploit other defenses with him. There, you know, there's a lot of talk about what if he's the right fit for zone and those kind of things. Not going to worry about it. I feel like teams that don't have a use for a player like that aren't going to draft a player like that. And the odds are that somebody's going to spend pretty high draft capital. So a team that's going to spend high draft capital is probably going to be a team that is actually has a use for him and the, the right fit. So I'm going to take that bet at 1-8 and get what I think is potentially the number one running back in this class. Travis Etienne. It is on you, David. 
I like it. I like it. Um, I think that's also a really good point about the draft capital with running backs, especially before uh, before the NFL draft we're doing this, and we don't quite know. And with these top two running backs, Najee and ETN, I think we do kind of it, – it's kind of scary not knowing where they are just because running backs are so coach-dependent, offensive line-dependent, um, because they don't get to really call their shots and get open like a wide receiver. They don't get to – throw people footballs like other other positions here um but Najee and etn probably are going to be the top running backs drafted i could see javante kind of creeping up in there and if if somebody's drafting one of these guys in the high second or late first that's a lot to invest right now i know there are the sony michelle's rashad pennies that blow up in our faces um i don't think these are anything like that um, I believe in them, so I'm fine taking them over a Jamar Chase. I, Scott, you're absolutely right. I totally agree with you on Jamar Chase. I, if you pick him nine days out of the week, I'm fine with it. Um, I think he is the top guy. I probably would take him in some of my leagues that are um, have peered uh, or tiered PPR, where it's 0.5 for running back, one point uh wide receivers 1.5 for tight ends i'm taking jamar chase over all the running backs but in full ppr uh i just love to stash all of the running backs put them all in my flex positions if i can load up on other tight ends just because there are just so many wide receivers last year's class this year's class next year's class i mean you could you can get a lot of a lot of wide receivers pretty easy and they are very volatile week to week um, there are some outlier seasons that I look forward to and grab. Um, all of that aside <laughs> has nothing to do with this pick. I'm going to be taking Mac Jones. Um, I really like two other skill position players here, but there's only one other quarterback that we feel good that's probably going in the top 15 based on betting odds. There is a high-end outcome that he could go number three. Right now he's the uh, talked of as the favorite to go number three to San Francisco. If he goes to San Francisco, everyone's going to love him. He's going to probably be a right around here. Um, Javante Williams, Devonte Smith. I really love them, but there's some iffy things about their profiles and Javante Williams one year sharing time. He could be the Mark Ingram to an Alvin Kamara out there and not be the full-time running back, which is going to kind of hurt his value over the time. So I'm going to go Mac Jones. I don't think he's got crazy upside. Maybe he's got Kirk Cousins upside, but if he goes to San Francisco, that's going to be pretty nice over the long term there. Yeah, I think it's a good safe pick. It the quarterbacks it, that's the truth of the matter is is in a lot of super flex leagues we're going to see that people are quarterback needy especially those teams at the top of the draft because they oftentimes they're struggling at some position and it's it seems like it's always quarterback or you know a just completely disastrous team but i feel like that is that that is probably the latest we're going to see mac jones go if he goes to san francisco it's going to be hard for him to fall much further even though we all know there's it's kind of a floor play i don't know quarterbacks hold value and they're just you know, especially if you need one it, you know, the 14 team leagues, I mean, stuff, man, the quarterbacks are just so hard to get. It's crazy, especially at this time of year where there's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of old guys that people aren't feeling that excited about. So, yeah, I like the pick. Let's go ahead and go on. Keep moving. John, what do you got? Yeah, man. So uh, 
I agree with, with pretty much everybody else that this running back class is is not that great, uh, especially when you compare it to last year. I think at best, uh, I mean, I think I probably would have had Harris because uh, it's it's unfair, right? We know we know now or we about the twenty the twenty twenty class. Uh, so going based off that, I would probably would have had Harris at four, ETN at five, Javante probably sandwiched at seven between Dylan and Gibson. Um, but you know, going based off that, I'm probably not trying to hit on, on these top three guys, uh, just because when I find my, they're, they're just all going, you know, at the top of the draft because everyone's looking for the guy that has that workhorse ability. So I'm looking for where, you know, the positions are deep and obviously we, we already dried the well out at quarterback. So. Uh, only one wide receiver has been taken. So I'm going to go with my number two wide receiver on the board. Uh, and that is Rondell Moore. Uh, yeah, I know. Sonny thought I was going to take his guy, but I didn't because I took a guy that I'm really high on, probably higher than consensus. But when you look at Rondell Moore, I mean, everyone was like, oh, you know, I'm not taking a five, seven receiver. Well, when we watched the Rondell, when you watch Rondell Moore's tape, you knew he was short. So Five seven, five eight, five nine. Why does it matter? The kids, the kids, a baller, and he's and he's not small. He's just short. Uh, he's stocky, five seven, one hundred and eighty pounds. Uh, has freakish athleticism with the four three, forty yard dash and the uh, forty inch vertical jump. So obviously there are some injury concerns, but um, you know some people that are smarter than me, especially when it comes to injuries. Uh, especially Dr. Ed, Edward Poros uh, at FB Injury Doc on Twitter. He's he's saying that there's no um, injury proneness is not really a thing. It's a myth for the most part. So Rondell Moore, I'm not really going to be concerned about the injuries, especially when you consider that they're not all connected for the most part. So uh, I, I really like the player. I think especially if he lands in in with a Kyle Shanahan disciple, that's when I think we really see that ceiling unlocked with him. Uh, looking at you, New York Jets, potentially at 34. So, you know, Rondell Moore, uh, uh, he's a baller, and, and sign me up all day. He is a baller. He's a beast. His work ethic is just, yeah. What do you think in terms of my, my feeling is, is he's like a wide receiver version of Tariq Cohen or something, though. What if they start using him at running back slash wide receiver? That's what I'm I'm wondering if he can't eventually, like, transition to kind of a running back slash kick return or stuff. That's what worries me. There's no, almost no way a five, seven wide receiver with short arms is going to make it on the outside. So it's all about game planning, but I don't see how a team who has Rondell Moore is not going to game plan to get the ball to Rondell Moore. So I don't I mean, obviously pick. there are situations he could end up with a team like, you know, like the Raiders, right? They, we saw them do that last year with Henry Ruggs. They made this pick and they didn't know what to do with the guy. So uh, it happens. It definitely does happen. And, you know, receivers more than any other position usually depends on the landing spot. Uh, so hopefully he just ends up with a good offensive mind, but I'm, I'm betting on the talent. Yeah, it's this is where it's this. I like that you're taking your guy. I, and I also like that you leaving a couple of these other guys, possibly for me. So who it's we have, we have Scott on the clock. We got Scott on the clock. Yeah, I have to give Johns uh, some kudos there for taking his guy because I've I've been working on, you know, you, you introduced me as being an analytics guy, Sonny. I've tried to take it a little bit further this year, and I've created what I've called basically a market value model. And 
I've come up with just, it's a proprietary thing that I'm still working on. Uh, but I have an alpha rating score and I'm trying to predict not just how good a player is going to play. I don't even care how good a player is going to play. I think we're at a point in dynasty where if you're drafting receivers, I'm drafting receivers to make money. I'm not drafting receivers to score points on my fantasy team because I can go get receiver points anywhere. You can buy receivers. Every team has receivers. You can buy points at receiver easily. But I plug, you know, I plug in a bunch of stuff in here trying to predict not just their production, but what does the community want? The community wants ultra young receivers that land in good spots, obviously, but they want ultra young metrics darling receivers. That's what the dynasty community is chasing. And so I put a bunch of stuff into this. And lo and behold, Rondell Moore checks every single box. The only thing he doesn't check is literally the height and weight. And I've used, I've deconstructed the last 10 years. What do alpha receivers look like that get 140 more or more targets? There is a prerequisite size that comes in with that. He would be an outlier for a guy to ever hit the magic 140 plus target season. I think that would be tough for Rondale Moore to do, not because he's not good enough. I'm worried with a guy like him that a team doesn't see him that way. Like Sonny said, I he could be the greatest player ever, but is a team going to put him, will a team be willing to put him in a Keenan Allen type role? where they give him 150 plus targets and they say, go out there and take the beating for an entire season. I'm, that's the only thing he doesn't have though. He is literally perfect. He is side by side with Jamar Chase in every other category. Um, so I think he's just like so polarizing that I love the conviction of John's pick. So long-winded, but John, nice pick. I like how you explained it and I, I like the conviction. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, that. no, he definitely, I, I do a little bit of analytics as well on my end and he's, right now graded out as the top receiver in my model. So, uh, yep. I, and he, it lines up with what I see on the film and, and I'm, I'm, I'm digging in hard for this guy. Well, I'll go kind of the same thing. I will go with, um, exactly what I just described. I will go with a wide receiver at one eleven, Um, and this is a big bet on a player that again, I don't care how he produces. I don't care if he has half the chance to produce a quote unquote hit season. Uh, I'll take Terrace Marshall. Uh, I think the only thing Terrace Marshall is missing is a solid rookie season for dynasty owners to vault him up into the top 10, top 12. If you give him T Higgins his rookie season, he's T Higgins or higher. That's how the community will value him. Fair or not. Now you can say I wouldn't pick him ahead of some other guys because I don't think he's going to have a T Higgins season. But what I'm saying is what I see his profile, that is all he is missing. He has every other thing that a dynasty owner, maybe you call it a sucker in your league or uh, somebody that really doesn't is just chasing all the receivers are going to last 10 years on my team. Uh, but I'm going for value. So I'll take Terrace Marshall. Uh, he is the, he's an early declare. He's the third youngest receiver in the draft. Uh, he's top five speed score and height adjusted speed score. Um, you can argue the production. He still had a 19.2 breakout age. You can even argue that that could have been earlier, depending on how you want to weight the competition. So I think he is the second best receiver in the class. Uh, and this is probably where he's going to go. Uh, one, uh, one 11. I'll take Terrace Marshall. Wow. I gotta say, that's, I'm surprised just because there's two other receivers that are on there. I love Terrace Marshall. And this is what I hate about this draft is I feel like all the guys I love, they're, they're not, there's, there's almost just like, it's like everything just keeps creeping up further up and up and not just into the first round, but into that early second round. And it's, it's not a, 
not a real deep draft and everybody is on all of the talents, even guys like Terrace Marshall, who I feel like there is some downside to him. I don't think he's fully there yet. I feel like the, the thing that scares me about Terrace Marshall is that I've learned my lesson or I'm learning my lesson in terms of drafting players at wide receiver, especially that don't produce in the first year and people just don't have any patience and they end up like just throwing in the towel, like Henry Ruggs. Oh, he's terrible. Oh, the team doesn't know. And it's like, he has no value when in a lot of cases, if you look at, you know, most wide receivers and over most years, it takes a little while sometimes. And there's a lot of guys who take a little time, whether it's them developing or the team learning how to use them um, that, I don't know. It just feels like to me, I am, would love to take him in the middle of the second round. If I have to take him in the late first round, I, I really, I'm, I'm feeling less and less inspired about this draft. Pass. But I get what you're saying. I feel like Terrace Marshall, in terms of being that alpha, being that number one guy, when you look at the other two guys that I'm looking at and then I have a running back to pick from as well, it does feel like there's, you know, there's a more likely ceiling with Terrace Marshall. Maybe that's what you're going for with the ceiling. Let me Where, add this, Sonny, real quick. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with you. Dynasty owners are actually really forgiving on guys that are 20 and 21 in their rookie years. They are willing to buy. People are still willing to buy Jalen Rager for 203, 204, maybe four or five picks lower than what you bought him last. Now, if you're a 22 or 23-year-old rookie receiver that busts, value done. But Terrace Marshall's not even 21. So People are actually more forgiving if you look at some of the guys that have busted. They may not raise up in value, but they don't tank like a 23-year-old senior that doesn't hit right away. That's how you hit. That's how you miss when you're drafting this high. So I just want to throw that out there. I actually think he's insulated unless he goes out and literally has a you know 200-yard season and plays 12 games and just is bad. Then I feel he's going like to go this- down. Yeah, insulation is only as long as people like in their mind. It's all like how it plays yes. out. If it plays out a certain way, then yeah. If it plays out in a way that is not not appealing to his fantasy game, then we can see people jump off very quickly. And and so that is why I'm gonna go. You know, I actually I didn't expect Javante Williams to be here, and I'm not gonna take him because <laughs> I feel like his ceiling is Kareem Hunt. And I have to really kind of squint to see Cream Hunt. I feel like I'm I'm really fighting hard to see Cream Hunt. I feel there's so many like there's too many red flags when it comes to his you know the, the, this year running eight yards a carry the the lack of there's just so many things with 2020 that I don't fe- I feel like he's one of those players that is a great college back and potentially a really good pro back, but we don't know yet. There's so many great college backs that dominate the college ranks, and then when they get to the pros, they become just kind of another guy. I worry that Javante Williams has this like capped ceiling at Cream Hunt, which is a very good player. If it turned out to be Cream Hunt, that would be fantastic. But how many players have we comped to Cream Hunt that are just average athletes that have to have something else, have to have some special ability to take them beyond that? And that's why Cream Hunt is Cream Hunt, and the rest of the guys are just being compared to him. So I'm going to go ahead and take Devonta Smith at the 112. I feel like this is another one of those things where, yes, the production is probably can be replaced by a lot of players, but I don't feel – I'm becoming more – I feel like when I watch Justin Jefferson skyrocket from being a good player to the number one wide receiver in some people's mind, ahead of DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, because of last year's performance, because of one produ- – and he's young – and he produced. So now it's like, shoot him all the way up. And we've seen this happen with Juju and other receivers over the years. They, they are still in a group, 
they're still in kind of a tier. And so I feel like Devontae can really jump out into an initial uh, tier like that, where he's, I just feel like he's so polished. He's the, the weight thing. It worries me only in the sense that I worry if he gets injured, I worry that he's going to um, not be able to withstand a, a huge target load. Like if he gets a lot of targets, then it might be a concern for me um, in terms of him getting injured, but not in terms of him producing. Like, I feel like he's just such a slick wide receiver. He has, we talked about T Higgins last year. I remember really noticing how T Higgins had this exceptionally long arm span, like Kyle Pitts. Devonta Smith has an exceptionally long arm span. So he's six foot tall, but he has like a six, four wingspan and he catches everything. So if you're skinny or not skinny, it doesn't matter. Nothing gets by this guy's hands and he can use his skinny body style to get around defenders, to kind of weave his way through things that he's not, he doesn't carry very much weight. There is a benefit to, I'm, I'm a pretty slim guy myself. And there is a benefit to having light bones because you don't have to carry those bones. You can move quickly on those bones, and he's pretty light, and, he, and it's just so many things about him. I the, the Marvin Harrison, to me, is not the right comp, but it's the right comp in the sense of his body style feels like it can be successful because we saw Marvin Harrison have a Hall of Fame career, very long career, almost never got injured. He out he just was always in the right place. It didn't really matter. Sometimes he takes a big hit or whatever, but he gets down. He's not looking to out-physical people. He's out looking, looking to outdo you. But I see more of a Jerry Rice. I just see a guy who's so smooth, so slick, has all of the things you want in a wide receiver, and he's just kind of slight. He's slight built, but he's learned how to do that, and he it works for him. If he wanted, he could add more weight. I really feel like he could, but it doesn't it doesn't make him the best he could be. He's the best as he is right now, and he's proved it. And I'm ready to take him at the 112 and possibly get the best wide receiver uh, in this class. Whether I trade it, whether I keep it after I see production, I feel like there will be production from Devontae Smith right out of the gate. Which, when you compare it to a lot of picks, that doesn't happen, and then you end up with a devalued asset like buying a car off the lot. I don't think I don't think he's going to be a buy a car off the lot and he's going to be devalued. If anything, he's going to jump right up into that. Oh my gosh, he's young and he's productive. You know, he's it's going the, the sky's the limit kind of thing. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'll just say my only worry with Devontae Smith is if he gets hurt or doesn't produce, I think his floor is a lot lower than a lot of other guys in this class because he's probably one of those guys that three or four people in your league already don't like him. So the market is gone if he doesn't produce as a rookie. That's the only risk. Now, I think you could probably argue he's one of the safer players to produce right away. Uh, but I just think he's risky. If I'm drafting a receiver, I think there's a lot of risk that built in with Devontae Smith. Because if he doesn't hit right away, you know he's got a lot of warts already, and now he's 24. And so I think his value has a chance to go significantly down if he doesn't play well. So just throwing it out there. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a lot. There's concern, but that's why I'm getting him at the 112. So, you know, when you're looking at it in, in a class like this to get a player like that, the 112, I'd be very happy. All right, How David. Do you think, oh, sorry. How much right, do you ahead. think the Marvin Harrison comp is just kind of personality based because he's such a quiet, all about the business? Maybe. I think it's all about his build. I think it's just those yeah. skinny little arms. He's such a, it's like just a, there's nobody else you can look at and think like, who looks like that? When you look at Marvin Harrison, he looks like that. But I don't play, I think Marvin Harrison was more, I don't know. There was like a, a different playing style. I feel, I feel like I've the, the Jerry Rice comp with a little less weight and just somebody who has a an all around game and has long arms. There's ways he wins that people don't really give him credit for. It's not just quickness or speed. It's like so many, it's, it's like Deandre Hopkins, but he just doesn't have the quite the same body. But I, I really like Devonta Smith in terms of uh, just his overall, like you said, work ethic and stuff. There's, there's a quiet, uh, determined and almost like quite confidence where he knows that he's better than most. And he played with a lot of really good players and they all kind of, 
you see the way that they tout him as, as maybe the best. It's like they, they can't. There's no one who can say I'm better than Devonta Smith. All those players who just played with him. That's pretty. That's a pretty impressive resume. Just playing with those guys and, and not none of them being able to say they're better than you. You know, outright. All right, John, you, Dave. Also, um, so there's some guys I did not expect to be at the 201. I think 201, 202 this year is a really nice nice place to be because it just seems like there's some players that are going to slip there whether players are moving up i think there's a big tier that typically happens end of the first early seconds i'm kind of sitting in it now i really hoped as it was creeping here that Devonte smith was going to pop over into the second round because i agree with a lot of things that sonny was saying about him uh, i didn't think Javante williams would be here Obviously, everyone's talking down Javante Williams, and there's definitely reasons why I passed on him before, reasons to pass on him here, um, and I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to take Javante Williams. I love Rashad Bateman, love Jalen Waddell. Um, I'm, I'd probably have a hard time passing up on Rashad Bateman right here just because I think he could play in the slot. He can play outside. I think what we saw in 2020 probably probably is not a, the best representation of what he could be in the NFL. Um, and he might have a Chris Godwin-like career, but that also is going to be dependent on getting a uh, a really good quarterback. I think Rashad Bateman could do it because he might be drafted in the second half of the first round to a better team. But there's big three running backs in this draft for me, Najee Harris. Uh, ETN, Javante Williams. I think he do, he might split some time with, with someone else, but I think we're going to get a couple years of Javante Williams scoring a lot of touchdowns, being pretty impressive with how he's going to break tackles. He's a former linebacker, so I just love the physicality that he brings to the running back position. I think it's so fun to watch. He's just a bowling ball when, he's, when he, you try to bring him to the ground. He's going to break a lot of tackles. He's going to break a lot of bones. Um, I like pairing him at this 201 spot with Trevor Lawrence, having a top quarterback and a top running back, and probably peeking ahead at some of the wide receivers that might slide to the 301 spot or tight ends possibly that might be there. Like I said, this offseason for me is kind of devaluing the wide receiver position, trying to load up on running backs because most of my teams are in pretty good positions to contend, uh, using those big quarterback names to use them like currency, buy what I need to, to make a push for the, the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think uh, even though I completely agree with all of our decision-making, I'm sure there are people that think it's shameful that Devontae Williams went at the 2-1 in our, our rookie mock, but that's all right. There's a lot of running back truthers. Obviously, we are not the uh, the hardcore running back truthers that feel like you have to just take running back, running back, running back in your rookie drafts. I feel like, yes, it, you know, it's nice. But when it gets to guys like Javante Williams, I do have some concerns. But, you know, he, yeah, he could be a fantastic player. And if he gets in that right spot or if he gets drafted by somebody like Pittsburgh in the second round, I will completely change my tune, I'm sure, and be much more interested. But, you know, that's what that's this pre-draft creates a little more of a dynamic that we don't we don't have those answers. John, what are you thinking? Yeah, man. I mean, just uh, piggybacking off the Javante Williams stuff. I mean, I, like for me personally – uh, Javante Williams needs second round or better draft capital for me to really be interested. Um, I mean, third round after the third round after it looks a little uh, 
bleak for for me in terms of 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 the some of the numbers I'm looking at, but um, and also it's going to depend on that landing spot because Pittsburgh sounds a whole lot better than Jacksonville. So, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely going to be curious to see what happens where and where he lands. And so, because of that, I'm not really targeting the middle, the you know, the top end of this running back uh, class. I'm really tr- trying to hit this this middle tier of it. Uh, I will not hit it now because I was not expecting Rashad Bateman to be here. Um, and so I've got to stick to my guns here. And and Rashad Bateman, to me, uh, you know, just talk about route running, talk about releases, talk about nuance. Uh, this guy has all of it at the, at the wide receiver position. And, you know, Dave, you were right. The 2020 season didn't look as great. Uh, and I, I even had to write down in my notes at one point, like, hey, you know, uh, quarterback was where quarterback was better in 2019 and you go look and you realize it was the same quarterback. He just played worse in 2020. So, um, you know, Rashad Bateman, I, I was curious to see what his testing numbers looked like. Cause I thought that there was so much more there. Uh, and, and I was right. Uh, because you see him, everything he was running, uh, at Minnesota seemed like was an, an option route, which just automatically makes him look slower than, and less explosive than he is. Uh, but then you you watch the testing numbers and, and there's a, a few plays where you see him get out in space and 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 boogie a little bit. So uh, I, I'm I think Rashad Bateman has has that wide receiver one potential. Yeah, this is interesting. We, this we're kind of in a bunched up little area where there's a lot of ways you can go. We are hitting an hour already and we are barely through the first round. So we're gonna just kind of keep moving with this and not. I'll try to keep just jump into the next and we'll kind of get this moving a little bit more. If you have uh, anything you want to say, by all means say it, but let's, let's keep moving. Scott, what you think? Yeah, I think we can, uh, we can learn some lessons. Uh, if you haven't had your drafts yet, just how this has played out. I think Javante Williams is probably going to go higher in most drafts. Uh, but I understand we had some convicted receiver picks uh, before him, which could or couldn't happen. Uh, but this is clearly a range where everyone can see it coming. This 201, even it's even if it's 112, 112 to like 206, you probably know the best player slash best profile on the board is going to be a receiver. Uh, everyone knows my thoughts on receivers. I really don't think they matter that much, especially when you're comparing them between each other and they're the most abundant asset in Dynasty. So I really don't want to draft receivers for points. I've said that a couple times. Uh, I could care less if a receiver scores points on my team. That's not why I'm picking them. I'm trying to either pick them for paths to value. Uh, But more importantly, I would definitely be trying to trade any of these picks now before we see landing spots, before we have clear tiers, before we start hearing podcasters and articles write what their tiers are going to look like. Try to get out of these picks for other receivers. You know, if you can trade the 202 for... Just put it on the block for any receiver. Just say, I want to get a receiver for this pick. See what you can get. You know, I think that's a good rule of thumb this year. Trade for a receiver before you draft one, especially in this range. Um, I'm not a fan of this player. Uh, There's probably other profiles that I would like. I don't think he will fall this far, so I will take Jalen Waddle. I don't have much to say uh, other than I think there's probably somebody else in my league that may be a sucker and that may actually like him more than me uh, and may trade me something more helpful to my team or higher value than this pick. So I will take Jalen Waddle, but uh, truth be told, I don't want to make a lot of picks in this range, but I think he's a really good value here. He's a great value. Yeah, it's a great value. 
So you left me, you at least left me one guy that I really like. But yeah, that was, you know, obviously if I could have gotten him to fall the way to me, that would have been amazing. I'm I'm going to go ahead and just take Elijah Moore. I feel like I Elijah Moore to me was right there with Rondell Moore in the sense that, and, and even Terrace Marshall in, in this kind of counter to what you're saying, Scott, but it is in terms of production. I feel like he is a guy who's going to produce. He's just... There's something about Rondell Moore that strikes me as like a mix. I've heard a lot of different comparisons like Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders. They're all really good, really productive, like Jarvis Landry type players that their physical skill set is not going to wow you, but it's good enough. And he's actually shown in terms of his pro day, which we'll take with a grain of salt, but he's shown some actual, you know, physical tools. I think it was a little surprise for some people in terms of what he showed in the pro day. And then you see it on the field. You just see what a gamer he is. And I, I just really like a lot of things about Elijah Moore. So I'd be very happy to actually take him. And uh, when I start looking at this draft class, there's just only, I'm starting to run out of names that I really like. And Elijah Moore is one of those. I feel like I'll be very happy to get him at the top of the second round. And I feel like he wouldn't be a player that I'd necessarily be trying to trade for value because he, he's not that hot name, but two, three years down the road, you might turn out to be, you have an Antonio Brown or somebody who surprised everybody and is just a producer and will force his way up those uh, value charts. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Elijah Moore. Your turn, David. Awesome. Took the guy I wanted. Okay. Uh, uh, I agree with what Scott was saying there. I actually like Jalen Waddle a lot better than some of the players in this tier right below him. So if I'm in a draft with with Scott, I'm trying to trade for Jalen Waddle and out of this pick right here, especially before the draft. I think after the draft, some of these running backs in the second round, Achuba Hubbard, Kenny Gainwell, if that's your style, is going to be really appealing right here if they go to a nice landing spot. And I think the one thing that hasn't been said about the running backs this year versus last year, last year's class, much better. The landing spot availability this year, way better. I mean, Pittsburgh, wide open. Arizona signed James Conner to a $1 million, de million dollar deal. I don't think that scares them off from potentially taking somebody. I think there are a handful of teams that could just slide some of these rookies right in. Um, and then maybe someone surprises us in the back of the second round, early third round, maybe a Trey Sermon, Chuba Hubbard, someone like that, Kenny Gainwell to Miami would be amazing right here, but I just am scared of that draft capital. If they start, like John was saying, if they start going in the third round or later, we're losing a ton of value before the draft even starts. So I'm gonna actually take somebody, I don't know if anybody even likes him here. I like him a lot, so I'm gonna take him, I'm gonna take Diami Brown. Um, I think he's uh, he's not gonna have a low A dot. I think he's gonna be a deep uh, field stretcher. I like his game there. I think he's got some drops in it. I think he's got some potential. He's got some Will Fuller. I wish he would have tested a lot faster because his game speed just seems a lot faster. I think the the special tr like attribute that he has that when I watch him, uh, and I've been looking forward to him coming out, is when the ball is in the air, he has that uh, trait that Jalen Waddell uh, specializes in, Devontae Smith specializes in. He's able to track it and make those extra strides and separate as the ball is going five yards in advance. And he kind of makes that separation where he doesn't have it originally in the route when I watch him. Um, I'm going to take him, pair him up with Najee Harris, 105 to 205, get a running back, get a wide receiver here. 
All right. So here we move on as it gets treacherous. This I can't wait to the third and fourth round. You guys are going to, this is going to be the best. I, I can't find anybody who does a third or fourth round rookie draft <laughs> yet. So it's on us to set some sort of standard here and figure out what, what, what do we think? What, what's, what's going on? So anyway, we're still in the second, but I'm excited to find out what's going through you guys' brain as we move to third and fourth. Yeah. So as I said before, I am sitting here at this point in the draft and you know, this is where I want to start picking at this middle tier of running backs. So I'm going to start taking some chances and I'm going to go go take some shots on some guys with some profiles that I like. Uh, so one of the guys that I was going to tell you to just copy and paste it over, Scott, I'm going to take Kenneth Gainwell in this spot. And I heard he wants to go by Kenneth. So we'll go with Kenneth here. So uh, when I look at a guy like Kenneth Gainwell, we're talking about a guy that has the ability to not only make an impact as a runner, but also make an impact as a receiver. He's a former high school quarterback. So he's somebody who's still developing in his game as a running back, opted out last year. So he's only really got one full season as a runner. <clears throat> and I'm sure people listening and people and all of us here were probably fans, are, are fans of Antonio Gibson. And well, guess what? Antonio Gibson was a hybrid player in college. And why was that? Because Kenneth Gainwell was getting all the snaps at running back and being the lead back. So um, Kenneth Gainwell, he, he people thought he might be undersized. I, I'm okay with him coming in at over 200 pounds uh, for, you know, four or five speed. And again, he's got that impact as a pass catcher where even if on day one, he doesn't end up in a situation where he is the guy, you know that he can at least carve out a role for himself as a, as that pass catching compliment. I like it. That that uh, Kenneth versus Kenny always always hilarious uh, in Chicago here. When Mitch Trubisky was drafted, the the big story was he wanted to go by Mitchell because that's what his mom wanted him to be known as as a famous football player. That lasted about a week in the off season. Hey, let me come to my man's defense because I'll say as a parent of a child named Gabriel and people try to call him Gabe all the time. It frustrates the heck out of me. And Gabriel Davis came out and said he'd like to be called Gabriel Davis. He said the same thing. His mom calls him Gabriel. People still insist on calling the guy Gabe. If somebody's name is not their shortened name, don't just assume that that's their shortened name. I'm not necessarily <laughs> a fan of Gabe. I like Gabriel. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm in on my guy for setting it straight. Kenneth Gaywell. You got my you – got, I got your back, Kenneth. <laughs> All right, we are we on to Scott. Yeah, 207. Again, this is an ugly spot of the draft where you're really just trying to chase value and profiles. I know before we got started, I asked how many starters there were in this league. Is it a 12-team start 10, start 12, 14-team, whatnot? Uh, I do think that as you get deeper in leagues where maybe you have the hyper-flex leagues where it's a start 1-1-1-1 one, 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 and a bunch of flexes or – you're in a league with 11 or more starters. This range does become a little more desirable uh, from an acquisition standpoint. I'm okay drafting, you know, receivers here in a start 12, just because I'm going to have a higher threshold of where I need receiver points. Uh, a shallower league, again, I'm trying to package up and get, you know, one of those premier picks inside the top 10, 11, if possible. So, I mean, I'm assuming maybe this is a deeper league. I'm happy with this pick. If it is, I'll take Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, some some interesting facts about him. I mean, if you compare him to some of the other guys in the class, he's an early declare. He's the eighth youngest receiver, third youngest breakout age. 
uh, above average in the average yards per team pass attempt. My my big concern with him is where is he going to get drafted? Uh, he feels a lot like a a guy that could maybe fall into the early third round, which would put him outside maybe the top ten receivers off the board, which would be a little concerning. But you know, if he goes right in that range, maybe wide receiver eight nine. Uh, that's probably right where he go. And I actually think he has a pretty solid profile uh, just for points here. So I don't love it. I wish I wouldn't be picking in this range uh, as many times as I am, uh, but it's a mock draft. So I have to make every pick. So I'll go ASB at 207. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the thing is it's good. You point out that this is a place I'd like to trade down because there's a lot of that for me where I look at, okay, places I want to trade up to or places I want to trade down to. And yeah, I mean, at this point we're kind of in that same group. I'm going to go ahead. This is tough for me. I honestly, there's a wide receiver I really like here, and I have a feeling he won't make it back to me, but there is a lot of wide receivers, and I just feel like there's more opportunities. That There is one last running back um, that I kind of talked about on my podcast. I liked him. I thought I'd be able to get him a little later, uh, but then some guy named Matt Waldman came out and said he was his number one running back, and that kind of screwed everything up for me. So now I'm going to feel like I'm going to have to reach a little bit on Trey Sermon, and I'm going to go ahead and take the one other guy that I feel like could potentially take a, a you know a kind of higher spot um, in terms of full running back load, wide receiver. I, I really like a lot of things about Trey Sermon, and, and I, I still hope he gets drafted a little later. I hope that there's some chance because of the injury, because of the lack of production, that he goes in the fourth or fifth round and kind of like – tempers this excitement this current uh matt waldman boost that it got that's kind of i I was out of nowhere i heard this and i thought oh man like why are you doing that this is a guy that i felt like was one of those few late round second picks that we might be able to get so i've also heard buzz that he might go in the second or third round to somebody like pittsburgh or something there are teams that are kind of buzzing up on him so if that happened that would kind of you know obviously he would be shifting up maybe into the first round once kind of people see his landing spot but for now i feel like in terms of risk reward this is a pretty good spot to get a guy who could potentially be a running back i could look we could look back and he could be a fourth or fifth round pick and and be a later pick and this would be not a little bit of a reach Um, but i could also see this turning out to be a great value pick in turn especially when we talk about how hard it is to get running back so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and take trey sermon at this spot and then you know just be happy with the fact that they're you know i got one of the top four running backs in my opinion the guys i I like kenny genway a little bit but I, i worry when I watch him try to carry the load and when I you know, kind of balance how he's going to pan out in the pros, it's just, there's not really a huge ceiling. And and so that's what worries me. And I feel like uh, that's that's where we're at now with a lot of these players is there's really we're losing ceiling. And so Trey Sermon still is potentially a high ceiling player if everything goes right. So I'll, I'll go ahead and go with that. Your turn, Dave. Nice. Uh, so at 2.09 here, uh, Again, I think after the NFL draft, the second round won't be as disgusting as it is right now, but it is very, very stinky just because these are all gambles right now. We're gambling on some draft capital. We're gambling on hopefully some scheme fit. Um, And there is a wide receiver I know Sonny wanted here that, oh, I think he wanted here, uh, that I'm going to not take, but I'm going to take his teammate the one who broke my heart in almost every debbie league that i took him in the first round last year chuba hubbard um i love his his game speed i think he is raw i i know his value is just completely tanking in debbie leagues um my gamble here is that running back value after the draft after we see some second and third rounders which i think chuba hubbard is probably a third rounder hopefully not a fourth rounder but he probably is um i'm hoping he 
he fits in with one of these RB needy teams. Uh, I don't know, John, how you feel about the fit if he went to the Jets, because I think a zone run scheme like uh, the 49ers or the Jets, I think his value is going to go way up. I think you could see him kind of jump back into the high second round in some rookie drafts if he goes to an RB needy team. Um, I thought about Tylen Wallace here, who I love Tylen Wallace. And this is a hard pass here um, just because I, every time I think about Tylen Wallace, I write him lower and lower. Every time I watch him, I write it higher and higher in the rankings just because he's just a straight baller. Um, but again, as you can tell from some of these other picks, I'm just gambling on some of these running backs, hoping they go up because what happens in the summer is er, these running backs, they, their value starts going up in the rookie drafts. You, you see the first halves of these rounds heavy in the running back, second half heavy in wide receivers. I like a bunch more wide receivers for the third round. So I'll probably target a lot more then. I like that you have a plan, David. You you stick into it. I like it. All right, John, where are you at now? Where are you looking at? So sitting here at the two ten. I <laughs> I uh I'm sitting here at two ten and I seem to be the only one that maybe I'm not gonna give you I'm not gonna take credit from you guys. Maybe no no nobody else cares that it's tight end premium. Um, but I, I do like Fryermuth here. I'm not gonna do it. Don't write it in, please. I'm not gonna do it. Um, but I, I definitely am thinking about it, but when I look at the way the tiers are, uh, and I don't know, I, and didn't really get a, don't really know this for sure. I'm assuming that, you know, I'm building one team here, but because I have Kyle Pitts here, I'm not going to go for the Friar Muth route. I do want to, I do see this tier, um, drying up at the wide receiver. And I, there's one guy left that I really, really, uh, have you know, higher than, than, uh, you know, compared to what's, what else is on the board. Um, and that's Nico Collins wide receiver from Michigan. Uh, I'm going with the traits here with this guy. Um, you know, this guy, you know, unproductive at, at, uh, Michigan, but a lot of Michigan receivers are unproductive at Michigan. So, uh, I'm just going to take a bet on an athlete here, take a bet on a guy who's, you know, six, three, six, four, uh, over 200 pounds, sub four or five, 40 yard dash. Um, you know, so I, I'm just gonna. Hopefully, this guy lands in a good in a good spot, and maybe I can get Fryermuth or even Brevin Jordan on the way back. Yeah, I think this is the right spot for Fryermuth, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm not ready to take him quite. It's getting close, though. It's getting hard to. We'll see what happens with Scott. Scott. Yeah, props to John. I like Nico Collins. I think he's actually a guy that uh, could be a prime mover up into this same tier of receivers. Uh, he's not being seen there right now, but I think he jumps up into this range. I'm going to leave Sonny his guy. I think one thing to point out here is, um, yes, I've talked about the last three picks, how kind of undesirable it is to be picking in this range. Um, according to 100 expert mocks, uh, Trey Sermon pick 4.14 is his current ADP on grinding the mocks. Uh, and on mock draft beta database, he's 4.12. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, he is pick 4.36. And on grinding the mocks, he is outside of the fourth round. So I think that's the risk, though, if you're drafting running backs, mm -hmm. uh, if either Chuba Hubbard or Trey Sermon don't get the draft capital, they are definitely out of this range. So that draft is the risk. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Pre-draft risk, huge. That's where I, yeah, it, I feel a lot more comfortable. Let me ask you, because I was feeling sick about passing on Tywin Wallace, as everybody already knew that's what I wanted. But was anybody intention, had anyone planned on taking Trey Sermon? This is just good for me to know. Was I, could I have Trey Sermon at, at 112 or at 212? And, and was it, were any of you going to take Sermon? I, I wasn't going to take Sermon, no. I, I thought I, – I was thinking about it. You yeah. thought about it. Okay. I'm just – that's that's where it's good for me to kind of gauge this. I feel like that 4-1 is a little bit – it's it, it, it. there was a lot of assumption that, that Trey Sermon was just going to go really – I assume that. There are certain players, like a player who hasn't even gone yet, and there's talk about him, a wide receiver that's going to go in the first round, and I assumed he was going to go later, so I thought I was interested. But now that I find out he's going to go earlier, I'm not as interested. And then now I have to see how the rest of the fantasy community reacts to him. And then we'll see whether I'm interested. So a lot of times it just comes down to price. And so for me, yeah, I feel like I'm overpaying for where I had, had just felt about him in terms of, uh, you know, just a couple weeks ago. At the same time, like when I look at the rest of these names, I'm running out of names anyway. So Trey Sermon seems like just as good a name. And if I have to pay, you know, that early second capital, I'll be happy if I have an early second pick at this point. And, and or I'll be happy that he falls to the late second in my, my leagues that I have that second because, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm already I, I feel better about him than any, pretty much any other name. Obviously, that's why I took him. But any other name that's coming up, there's there's a gap for me. Even I don't care if he was four one and all that crap. I, I feel like I want to see a player that can that can produce. And if he gets drafted in the fourth or fifth round, I honestly think I'll be a little happier only because that's a chance for him to kind of fall back again where this little boost uh, kind of ruined my my Trey Sermon party. He was the one kind of one guy I was identifying later. So, okay. Well, think, yeah, go I ahead. Think that, I think that just highlights how bad this running back class is. We are making assumptions. Know. because Because the NFL took 10 running backs on day two last year that they're just going to fill needs and push some guys up. I mean, I see this. This isn't just us. I mean, I've seen this in a lot of mock drafts where – well, somebody has to be the RB4. Somebody has to be the RB5, and they're probably going to go in the first two days. If teams are just going best player available on their boards, I'm not sure that's the case. But if it happens, it's good value. I'll go um, – I'm going to leave the guy that's been kind of talked around here over the last five picks. I'm going to leave him for Sonny if Sonny wants him. I'm going to take Seth Williams uh, with this pick. Uh, I think I have him in – I have him slightly ahead of Nico Collins. Uh, but <laughs> – Truthfully, in my process, the fact that we found out he was a year younger a week ago was huge. Uh, he is the youngest receiver in the draft, or second youngest to um, to Rondale Moore, my bad. Uh, but he is hes a guy that is exactly what I talked about earlier with Terrace Marshall. I think he's a round discount Terrace Marshall. Uh, maybe a lower hit rate than other receivers, uh, but if he hits, he has a profile that people will like. So I think this could be a really good high upside pick. Uh, would rather not pick here, but I really like Seth Williams. I'm going to probably will be my highest owned receiver in the second round. All right. I, you know, I got to tell you, since you, you let me know that, uh, that my guy was the fourth, I, I have Seth Williams, like after my end of my fourth round, <laughs> it's like my, my 48 and then Seth Williams is, is a name there. So for me, he's, I just, I didn't like what I saw from him. He's like, you know, there's like, to me, he feels like, yes, he could surprise. And if he does, absolutely the, the physical, but I, I prefer like a Nico Collins. I felt like I watched the two and it was like similarities and then huge difference. Uh, one guy felt like he had, a, you know, an actual future in the NFL and the other guy felt like he didn't, but that's all based on my, my limited knowledge and film watching but that <laughs> i thought i'd share that with you said the way i couldn't even find him i'm like where is he oh he's all the way down here so i'm gonna go ahead and take tylen wallace if i can land tylen wallace at the end of the second round i'm very happy 
I realize that he's not the, you know, he's he's not a big wide receiver. He's not, a, you know, a physical freak or anything. There's so many things about uh, Tyler Wallace that can limit his upside. But I still feel like somehow he is one of those players that even with his physical limitations could still turn out to be a wide receiver maybe wide receiver two, but even potentially like on his best year, a wide receiver one, like he can be an alpha. He could be the guy that his quarterback looks to that can put up a lot of production that can just kind of, whether it's, you know, exciting, whether it's sexy, I don't necessarily know, most likely not. Um, but a lot of tough yards, a lot of uh, just kind of the, the stuff you need to get it done and a football player and a guy that I would just, you know, in terms of looking at this draft and I'm sitting at the end of the second praying that there's some kind of value and, and Firemuth would be on my list. If you took, if someone took Tylen Wallace, I think Firemuth would be right there along with a couple of running back wide receiver prospects. I just have to kind of look at my team uh, makeup at that point and decide how I see the whole thing, you know, in terms of, you know, trade value, yada, yada. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Tylen Wallace and be very excited about it. That, that he's, he's considerably higher ranked than, than I was getting him there. Dave, your pick. I'm happy for you, Sonny. Um, at the 301 here, I, I do think there are just a few wide receivers, running backs, and running backs left before there's kind of an abyss of them where they're all kind of the same and they might all be fourth round rookie picks right now. So I'm going to take the tight end two off the board here. He is not my favorite one. My favorite one left is Brevin Jordan, but I'm going to take Pat Fryermuth here. Um, I just think he's going to go in the late first, early second, possibly. I like his body size. I think he's going to be on the field a lot. Uh, the downside here is that he could be another Hunter Henry that gets me maybe 12 points a week. Um, but this is tight end premium. I can flex him out. I think he's going to be able to... Um, contribute a little bit earlier than maybe Brevin Jordan, even though I just love Brevin Jordan. So I'll probably regret passing on Brevin Jordan. And I've said Brevin Jordan too many times. So I'm going to take Pratt. Pardon me. I like it. Yeah, that's interesting. So is that, I'm just curious, is that something that you really think you would do in a live draft or is it, are you trying to just mock it properly? Because if you really, you know, when it comes down to it, is your gut going to just force you onto Brevin Jordan? It's going to depend on where they go and where they go in the draft. But right now, just because I'm worried that Brevin Jordan could slip, um and pat fryermuth i think he's kind of going up the board uh i just pat pat fryermuth is just not my favorite guy i think i think there he shows some flashes i just i don't love the speed that he has there i don't think he has that sort of ceiling to eventually maybe turn into a top tight end and especially in tight end premium i think it's all about those top guys that's why i thought about kyle pitts at one i think it's about those those thousand yard receivers. And I don't see that for Pat Fryer. And I don't really see that for Brevin Jordan, but in tight end premium, I like these guys better than the wide receivers and running backs available. Fair enough. John, what you got? Yeah. So for me at this point in the draft, uh, I'm not in love with the wide receivers that are left. I mean, there are a few guys, but they're all bundled up together and you're just taking shots. Um, at, I mean, obviously, we'll know more when they land and potentially, you know, get land in good spots. Um, fire move just went. Brevin Jordan, he's he's got good athleticism. Again, with him, it's going to be about a landing spot as well, right? You're going to be you're going to want to see him end up with a good offensive coordinator. Uh, he might also end up teams might look at him and think he could be their Irv Smith, and so he ends up as a tight end too, just 
sharing snaps, similar to what Harrison Bryant did last year as well. So I'm going to go to the running backs here. Like I said, I'm just going to continue to uh, to chop down this middle tier of running backs. And so um, for me, it's between two guys. Uh, you know, Chuba Hubbard was, was one of those guys I was considering as a third guy. Uh, but for me, it's between uh, Jefferson or Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State or Michael Carter. And those are two guys that are going to – it's going to really depend on the landing spots as well. But for the sake of what we're doing right now, I'm going to take Jefferson. I've recently moved him up my, my running back rankings. Um, and that's because when I'm looking at this point in the third round at 302, uh, who's a guy that has that ability to – damn it, Scott. <laughs> who's that guy that has that ability to either be a workhorse or have an impact as a pass catcher? Uh, and so Michael Carter has that ability to make an impact as a pass catcher. Uh, but Jamar Jefferson, you know, Sonny talked about upside. He's got that ability where if he ends up in a situation where he is, you know, get and maybe maybe Pittsburgh doesn't end up spending the capital that we all think they're going to spend. And what if they decide to take a guy like Jamar Jefferson later in the third or fourth round? You know, then I would feel really good about that landing spot. And with a guy with workhorse potential, uh, he has a potential. He has. I have the opportunity here to really hit this this pick out the park. I love Jamar Jefferson. I wish he had tested out a little better, but you know, I still think he yeah, it's his vision. He's just a good and like you said, a workhorse. He can handle the load. You you were saying, damn it, Scott, because Scott already entered in Michael Carter. So go ahead, tell us, Scott. Tell us about Michael Carter. Your pick that is that was like the ticket. That was like when the the pick going in and the next pick just got rushed to the they didn't even have it. The clock start counting and and uh, Charles Chill FFB put his pick in. Yeah, I feel like the uh, when the Vikings got skipped in the draft, when it's like the other, the other teams jumping up. No, I, I'm not even a huge Michael Carter fan. I do think right now he is the odds-on favorite to be the RB4 off the board. Uh, just from looking through a lot of the mock draft data, I, I think he's probably going to be the RB4 uh, in the NFL draft. So I'm simply just following draft capital. Um, I don't love, like we talked about throughout this draft, like nobody really feels good about picking the running backs in this second and third round. Uh, just because the profiles really aren't up to snuff compared to even previous years. Uh, but I'll take the RB4 here strictly based on a draft capital bet, so I'll go Michael Carter. Uh, he's one of those guys I'm not even really sure uh, what to make of him. I've heard some interesting comps on him, but then I've also heard many people talk about what John said, that he he probably doesn't have a ceiling, regardless of where he lands, regardless of what offense he goes into. So he's probably... Uh, you know, a, a Chase Edmonds type in the NFL where he's going to get likely joined in a backfield by somebody else always. Uh, he's going to go probably in the range where even if he does well, he's at risk to be usurped by another Michael Carter the next year, just simply how a team is going to view him. So I'll take him here just because I think he'll be the RB4 off the board. So 303. Yeah, when I look at Michael Carter, his skill set, and I'm not, don't want to get confused with the player, but the skill set reminds me of how the Saints use Alvin Kamara, just in similar fashion of trying to get him in space. And the fact that this guy is so elusive in space. And so to me, that would be obviously an astronomical ceiling, but ideally he ends up in a situation where he ends up with a good offensive coordinator who realizes, Hey, I have a weapon here. That's more than just a running back. I can use him in the pass game and let's get him out in space as much as we can. 
And so I think that's ideally your hope with Michael Carter, but I agree. I, I don't know what the ceiling there, there really is. Yeah, I think both of those guys, the Kenneth Gainwells and the Carters and stuff, there is a lot of guys now where we're, it's, it could very much be a situational thing. It could be very much that we know the talent's not there, but you get that right situation. So you get production and you either get trade value or production value. And either way, it's like it's a win in a way, but it's not that kind of win where you feel real confident for the long term. So, okay, I'm going to take this guy. And honestly, I feel like, I don't want to take him. I was expecting one of you guys to just take him so that I wouldn't have to take him, but he's still there. Where are we now? Three, four? Where are we? Three, four? I'm going to take Kadarius Tony with the, with the hope that like he just gets first-round draft capital and there's somebody who's in love with him and that uh, that this pick is a, is, is a fantastic pick pre-draft that, you know, there's just no way uh, a first round wide receiver. I felt, you know, it's like, I feel like this is the difference between last year and this year is that there was a lot of players um, that kind of came last year, like a Brandon Ayuk who suddenly was a first round pick. And I wasn't sure I was a believer, but when you see the, the, the talent stack and how it's just like, didn't matter who you were last year, it seemed like uh, there was successes all over the place. And then this year I look at it and it's like the opposite where I feel like, there, I talked about this in my podcast. There's, there's already kind of a, a consensus that it's a weak defensive draft. So we're probably going to see a lot of these names spread a lot earlier in the NFL draft than we would normally see. And then try to like, you know, manage that with our brains. Kadarius Tony is like talked about at least as a first round pick or you know second round pick or something. I don't know. I, I love his athletic skill set. I love a lot of things like watching him play. I just don't think he's going to be a very good fantasy player. I don't, I don't see any way that like, I'm going to want him on my teams that I'm going to feel comfortable, um, you know, with his, I don't see him being aligned up outside. He's just going to be this explosive slot receiver. So my feeling is I would take him based on value. I would hope uh, either the, the opportunity to trade him or kind of a blow up early in his career. Um, but he is one that at least I feel like in terms of getting a, a third round pick um, for a player who's a potential first round wide receiver, Feels like you got to do it, even if you don't fully believe in it. So there you yeah. go. I think that's good value on Tony. It's just you have all these profiles of receivers that were literally breaking out as sophomores. And Kadarius Tony, if you look at Florida in 2019, he was literally the wide receiver seven on his own team. And that's it. It's just he was a quarterback. He kind of he first thing I was trying to be a quarterback. So there's some things, but I I agree. And you haven't seen a whole lot of development. You've seen yeah, a guy who's a, a really kind of a just a playmaker after the catch. You're chasing first round capital, maybe makes a play in the preseason, something like that, where you know what I mean? It's really good value. But it's just it's just so hard for me to get on board with the profile. But anyway, Dave's I'm with up. you. <laughs> All right. David, what you got? We're at three uh, five now. We're moving along here. So I was hoping, I was actually hoping Kadarius Tony would fall here for all the same reasons you took him. I think, uh, along with kind of scouring NFL mock drafts, he's he's being mocked in the first round, and I I definitely think you might not be able to get him at that spot after the draft, just because a first round wide receiver is going to end up going in the second round of rookie drafts. Um, so I would have been happy taking him there. Uh, there's a huge drop off here where I don't know if the rest of the players are going to get second round draft capital. So we're looking at third round and on. Um, the one player here that I think their value could jump up or drop off dramatically, I'm going to take a gamble on because at the 305, 
this team that I'm drafting here has Najee Harris, Diami Brown. Um, and it's a little bit of a gamble. I'm gambling that a team is going to take him as a developmental quarterback um, to sit for maybe a year. It's going to be real gross to take him here. I'm going to take Kellen Mond. No, no. With the upside of with the upside of Washington not moving up for a Trey Lance, uh, falling Justin Fields if that happens. Um, I like his rushing upside out of all the guys left. If he goes in the second round, that would be very, very nice for me. I profited off lots of Jalen Hurts last year in the third round of these rookie drafts. Super flex. So as soon as he becomes a starter, a sniffs snorting, sniffs a starting role, he's gonna his value is gonna just jump, jump, jump. So I'm gonna take Kellen Mond here. I'm so mad at you, David. I can't believe that I let you come on this podcast and draft in the third <laughs> round. My little sleeper. Just darling, the MVP of the pro of the Senior Bowl, uh, the Kellamon man. I was honestly I had him circled right there in the early third, but this stupid Kadarius Tony was sitting there way up in my early second, and I just couldn't. I was like, okay, this is where he should go. I love Kellamon. I think that's a great pick. I think that this is where we're in a super flex draft, and and there there's not only just rumors. I really like a lot of things I've seen with him. You know, I know Chris Sims has him ahead of uh, both like. Chase, uh, he doesn't have Justin Fields and a uh, Trey Lance, but I feel like there's a lot of potential there. There's there's a player that there's a couple other quarterbacks as well that in this class, um, it's not just those top few guys. There's some other guys that can kind of get sneaky um, draft value and also eventually get some potential. Whether he plays right away or not, I don't know, but I think that's a great pick. I'm I'm mad that I just I'm, I'm mad that I took Kadarius Tony. I have, I have buyer's remorse on Kadarius Tony now because you got Kellen Mond. So good pick. Oh man, you were not the only one that was upset by that pick. I was totally gonna take Kelamon right here, so don't even worry, Sonny. He wasn't gonna make it to you. Oh man, um, that's good. We're learning, we're learning here. This is learning. So uh no, totally agree. Kelamon, if he gets that draft capital, ends up in a spot where you know even developmental or you know, what's what let's say New Orleans takes um right at the end of the first, or you know, they 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 trade up into the early second to take him right. Then that's something everybody would get really excited about. So for me at this point, um, yeah, I mean Brevin Jordan again. He's somebody the landing spot. Not taking him, so don't write it in, Scott. Uh, he's somebody I'm thinking here in terms of the land, but you know the landing spot is what kind of scares me off. So I'm gonna look back to the receiver position. Uh, not any running backs I'm in love with, especially without knowing any landing spots. And I'm going to take a guy that rumored to potentially end up at the running back position. And that's uh, Amari Rogers from Clemson, uh, the wide receiver here. Um, Not in love with the profile, but if we're just talking about a, you know, a wide receiver who, you know, is you look, you you watch him play football and you say, Hey, that guy is, is good at football. Um, And you just look at the body thickness on him. Uh, at 5'9", 212 pounds, uh, four five seven in the 40, so not overly explosive, but you just watch that guy make plays in space, in space make plays out of the backfield, make plays r- running from the slot. So uh, Amari Rodgers, he's just somebody that I think ends up uh, a good football player who if he ends up on a good team, he's somebody that will be, end up uh, bringing back good value for you. 
I love that pick. Good pick, John. So, kind of sniped me a little bit. That was he's my got the receiver. best, some of the best legs in this whole draft. That dude's got some thick legs. He's yeah, he's a football player. I love Amari Rogers, at least especially for his value in, in comparison to the rest of this draft. Yeah. All right, Scott, what you got? All right, so I know he's been mentioned a little bit, and I'm still kind of on the fence on uh, how much I like this player, uh, but I do think. Despite him having a disappointing pro day, I do think he's still going to go in the third round. Uh, he might not be the third tight end off the board, uh, but I still think he ends up going on day two. Uh, a little small, uh, only 6'3", but if you put him side by side and forget the fact that he does have a tight end tag, uh, he is a elite production uh, profile. So I will take Brevin Jordan. I don't think I'll probably have tons of shares of Brevin Jordan just because I think there's going to be somebody in a lot of leagues that takes him higher uh, than probably where I'm getting him here. Uh, so I'm really not interested in until he gets to this range. There is another tight end that I like just as much. Um, he is really young, hasn't turned 21 yet, so I do like that. But this is probably one of those uh, definite insulation picks where I'm going to have to wait a little while. Uh, but I will bank on the production. He was a productive player. Uh, at a power five school since the day he got there. So I have to just bank on the production. You know, I would have liked to see him. I typically have a cutoff of like a four, six, five or better for tight ends in terms of their speed. Uh, he's a little bit below that. Plus with the pro day adjustment, you know, that could be disappointing, but I will take Brevin Jordan. I think good value based on the fact where he's going to get drafted and uh, this best player available based on production metrics. Yeah, I think there's a lot, there's, kind of a wide range with Brevin Jordan. I think his pro day will definitely chase people off him too. So that's where I like seeing sometimes poor numbers on pro days or his combine. Just if you really like a player and they don't put up, you know, numbers that, that excite people. And yet you still feel like it, that wasn't the biggest factor. Then there could be a real win because now look at it where he's slipping all the way down late third in a tight end premium. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take, uh, I, I'm, I feel so unexcited. Thank you, David, for making me so feel so unexcited about making this pick. I'm going to take Davis Mills, another quarterback. I feel like there, you know, obviously there's not the the rushing potential, but he was a, a highly touted prospect. There has been some draft buzz. I think he had a very good pro day. I think some of these teams that feel like they missed out um, early in the draft in, in terms of some of these higher prospects, I might feel that that. Davis Mills is not that far behind and yet they can get him a little later. So I, I think there's some value there and, and it's always, you know, just like everything else with landing spot, but landing spot dependent, I, I'll just go ahead and, and invest in quarterbacks here at the, near the late part of the, of the third round of a super flex draft. I'll go ahead and invest in some quarterback because we've seen how um, even just the potential of what could be, I, I remember trading uh, Jacob Eason last year. I drafted him somewhere along the way in a, in a league, and then I just packaged him, and, and he got he got treated as if he had some kind of future value, <laughs> even if we now see he didn't really, you know, he didn't have any future value. But because he got drafted to a team, even if it's fourth or fifth round capital, um, there's always that chance. So, yeah, Davis Mills, not nearly as exciting as if I could have gone with the, the guy. But, hey, what are you going to do? That's now, I'm lear living and learning. So on to you, David. Go ahead and snipe me again, three picks ahead. Uh, I have a player I think would be a snipe for you here, but I'm not going to do it. I can leave possibly him for you just because um, I'm at the 309 here. This team has taken Mac Jones and Chuba Hubbard. So not looking great for this team so far as far as uh, a floor and a ceiling for these guys. 
might have somewhat of a floor, but the ceiling might not be as high as I'd like out of here. Um, but I'm going to double down on running back here with this team just because at 309, probably a playoff team, ready to load on some some running backs. We know during the actual season, we're going to love running backs. Running backs get injured. We've got 17 games now, so we're going to get even more injuries. That means more of these running backs are going to be put up there. This is my sleeper. This is my guy. I want him in every third round. I don't care if he's on my taxi squad. Um, I think he was on a great trajectory and then a huge coaching staff uh, switched for him. Uh, there's a couple running backs I like in this area, but I'm going to take Kylan Hill. I think I think he was he was looking like an all-star. I love his size, 5'11", 215. Um, and this year in his short sample size, they just kind of used him in a weird way. They used him as a receiver. They used him all sorts of different places, which, hey, that maybe helps a team want to use him in that way. Um, but I like his upside. And even if he's a backup somewhere, I think he's going to get some flashes. And I think he's really athletic, can run up the middle, can jump over people, do cool things. Yeah, you did kind of snipe me there in, in the sense. But I kind of snipe myself. You you triggered me and had me already in my head about QBs, and I jumped Kylan Hill because, yeah, it's, this is where we. it's like Kylan Hill is – yeah, it's one of the last ones that can be a legit, you know, three down back. And I like it. I think that when we're talking about this, we've, how many times have we said this is a poor draft class, the, there's there's definitely a limited number of guys. I, I, I have other guys I like that excite me a little bit more in terms of watching them in film, but I don't see anybody else uh, with that potential that, like you said, there's kind of other factors that maybe kind of contribute to the fact that Talon Hill didn't get a, a real shot to show what he could do. And there's a lot of people that really love Talon Hill, so I have a feeling he'll go higher than this. John. Yeah, so it's it's getting bleak. Uh, so I'm at the point in the draft where um, if I'm definitely trying to move out of this pick, if if I if if we're if this is where we're at, but um, it's definitely getting bleak. I'm going to. We are in tight end premium. Uh, there's a tight end that's flying up my personal board. Uh, so I'm hearing some talks about him maybe getting some draft capital. Uh, so let's go with Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame. Uh, and as I get the nod of approval there from Sonny, I, I can tell that I've sniped him. Uh, Tommy Tremble is a guy that is going to uh, have – He's it's kind of reminiscent of George Kittle, uh, and that's high praise, but just talking about from a guy that was all athlete uh, was asked to be a blocker, um, was really underutilized as a receiver. Uh, he wasn't even the top producing tight end on Notre Dame's team. But when you look at Tommy Tremble, you, he's a guy who will probably be a blocker from day one. Uh, and when I'm looking at tight ends, you know, give me a guy that's going to get on the field, that has that opportunity to get on the field, and then give me a guy who's athletic because then at that point he'll just – be on the field running routes and that athleticism should take over lead to him getting some targets and potentially even some touchdowns. So Tommy Tremble is my pick here. That's a great pick. Yeah. He's actually my number two target. I wouldn't say he's my number two tight end, but he's my number two target in the sense that I'm, I'm like, if I can get pits at a decent value, which at this point is very doubtful that I'm trying to target to figure out, I'm trying to gauge where is that, where's that spot the Trimble is going to start going and how can I get just ahead of that? Cause I do, I, mean, I see it just like you. I think Trimble 
He has that physical skill set. He has the lack of production, so it's going to push him down a little bit. But he can block already. That he's like a dynamic blocker, and he's got the athleticism. So yeah, that's a great pick. We got some sharps in this draft. We got some sharps here. It's good stuff. All right, Scott. Yeah, love the Tommy Trimble pick. I think he's a guy that's he's actually younger than Brevin Jordan, yet early declared with no production in college. Uh, but you hit it. He's going to be seen as a blocker. I wouldn't be shocked if you see a 21-year-old Brevin, Brevin Jordan or Tommy Trimble getting snaps in year one, and then people are going to be shocked. You know that a tight end that kind of came out of nowhere uh, is already playing. So good pick there. Really good pick. Um, I'm going to take a guy. I don't understand why he is not seen in the late second round in terms of wide receivers. Um, I, I simply don't understand it. Uh, I know everyone knows I was a big KJ Hamler fan last year. This guy's better than KJ Hamler. He is the youngest receiver in the class, sub 20 breakout age, uh, the fastest receiver in the class, an early declare. Uh, I will go with Anthony Schwartz from Auburn. Uh, 10.0700 meter dash. How fast is that? That would have been one of the top three in basically um, qualifying for the Olympics in the 100 meters. Uh, so possibly the fastest player we've seen ever enter the NFL. Um, there was some worry that he might not have even opted to play football. Uh, but with the Olympics getting moved back, um, I'm banking on draft capital. I think that's the biggest thing. People knock him on. They see him as a fourth round pick. Uh, there is some buzz, kind of like Nicole Hardman a couple of years ago, that some boards have him higher simply because of the one trait, because he has world-class speed. Uh, so he's everything I look for in a profile. If he gets drafted like early third round, you will see him up in that second tier of wide receivers most likely. So I'll take the risk here, 312. 311, right? Yeah, 311. Yeah, 311, my bad. Yeah, that's good. I think, yeah, we're... <laughs> I, I feel like that there's so many players now that I, I have no gauge really on. He is one of those players that I don't have a gauge on, to be honest with you, especially when it comes to fantasy production. Like I could see, you know, where the, the teams have use for him, but in terms of trying to gauge fantasy production, it gets really hard. I'm going to go ahead and take Ramondre Stevenson here only because I feel like he is one of those, another player that there is potential for him to get some kind of production, especially if a team really falls in love with him. What I like about him is that he is a very big back and he has pass catching acumen. He has some good wiggle to him. He doesn't have the juice and it's probably like not just doesn't have the juice. He doesn't have enough juice to likely be, um, you know, he is the, the epitome of that really great college back that maybe just isn't good enough. Um, for the pros, but I felt the same way about James Robinson last year. I remember thinking like, man, he's got so many things if he was just a little more athletic. And then it's like, well, you get the right team, the right situation. You, you don't necessarily need to be a little more athletic. You just, you know, team, some teams like, and some coaches really like those guys who just pick up five yards of carry or four yards of carry and a, and a pile of dust. So with that in mind, at the end of the third round, I think in terms of this draft, I would be pretty happy if I could go ahead and land Ramon J. Stevenson uh, pre-draft. Obviously, we'll see where he lands, if he gets draft capital, those kind of things. It could be, I think, kind of a steal of a pick, or it could be ended up just kind of being like, bleh, you know, another another name that you're just, you know, it's on your roster, especially, like I said, if he gets very poor draft capital and is, is just buried on a roster or not draft at all, you know, that could be as possible as well. So I'm going to go with Ramon Dre. Very nice. Uh, I think he's really interesting too because he does have that uh, that ability to to get on the field as a two down grinder. And if he loses weight, he's got some upside for more. But 
that weight issue just seems really interesting there. Um, at 401, this team has taken Trevor Lawrence, Javante Williams, and then Pat Fryermuth. So I'm going to continue uh, kind of filling out, apparently, the QB running back tight end wide receiver marketplace. Um, and I see one guy who this is one of the biggest fallers in Debbie for sure, uh, along with Chuba Hubbard, Max Borgie, things like that. I'm going to take Tamori and Terry. Uh, we're in the fourth round, so we're talking taxi squad guys. I like his upside. Uh, he measured a lot smaller than he was listed. A lot of holes in his profile, a lot of iffy. He's a big prospect that uh, could not even be drafted at this point, but I like his upside. I like some flashes he had. I like some of the things that he was kind of showing as a young prospect. Uh, I'm just going to take him and run. I liked more and Terry. I think upside. There's a lot of upside there. He didn't test very well, but man, when you watch him on film, he does look very fast. He's he's an athlete. All right, John, let's keep this moving. We've got we're almost at two hours now, so let's finish this guy up. What you got? Yeah, Tamari and Terry was definitely in consideration here for me at 402, but again, getting bleak. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy again. Running back position is going to depend on this draft capital, but give me CJ Verdell from Oregon, uh, guy who showed some speed on film. Um, again, I'm just going. He's aiming for profiles here, and he's he's got a decent one. And so I'm, I'm just taking a shot, hoping that maybe he, he ends up in a decent, uh, decent landing spot. Enough said, Scott. I thought CJ Verdell was yeah. Uh, he went back to school. Yeah, yeah, he did. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. then then never mind. That's why. <laughs> that's why you wouldn't been at least. You're lucky to know he wouldn't have been able to. You wouldn't be able to click him. So it wouldn't have been. Well. That that makes sense. Why I don't have testing numbers for him. <laughs> so uh, sticking at the the running back position, I'll go with Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. Similar right, player. Yeah, so I'll go back to the running back. Well, again, this is just uh, kind of like what Dave said earlier. You're just filling bodies. Uh, this guy, I was off. Um, you know, typically any. Any for any senior running back, uh, I typically will not draft inside the first three rounds. Um, just a really low hit rate, especially if they're not going to go on day two. Uh, generally, just a waste. But this player was really interesting. He played his entire career listed at more than 215 pounds. Shows up at his pro day. He's 201. Was a workhorse running back, at least to an extent, uh, until his junior year. Um, and then last year, probably should have come out come out of school before last year, but he didn't. I uh, would have been a lot more interested, but he tested really, really well. You know, basically 75th percentile and above and everything. Uh, ran a 4-3-4 or a 4-3-5 at his pro day. Uh, so I'll take Elijah Mitchell uh, from Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, again, just trying to fill a body, probably a day three pick, uh, but at least has somewhat of an athletic profile to go along with it. Um, similar to, to Dave's pick uh, that he made earlier, uh, with Kylan Hill, I, I think he's his where he lacks is going to be uh, in the passing game. So I think he's just going to be a filler, probably a backup. Uh, but I'll just shoot for the athleticism here. Yeah, was hoping I like it. I like Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, he's 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 definitely one that's going to be on a lot of people's radar in terms of you got to kind of just see what happens, see where he goes. If he gets some draft capital, if the team believes in him, he's definitely got like that kind of excite the more excitement. And when I was talking about players that have more excitement. He was one of them. I definitely like that. 
I'm going to go ahead and just take um, another quarterback here to kind of show my quarterback hoarding nature, especially when it comes to Superflex and just trying to keep adding names. I'm going to take Kyle Trask. Um, there's, you know, there's still some buzz that the guy is going to be, a, you know, a second, third round pick. That's going to be somebody that's kind of a developmental prospect. I, I, I liked, he's a gamer. There's a couple other quarterbacks in this class that haven't been taken yet that honestly, like, I still feel like I get free that I like almost as much as Trask, but I like Trask um, in terms of, you know, maybe a floor play, just a guy that um, could land a job and that could have some value as a quarterback. And you're getting him in the fourth round here. Uh, it feels pretty good. So I'll go ahead and just uh, land that pick and not think too much about it. Kyle Trask. Nice. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to take him. He's the Jake Fromm of this draft for me, where I just, every time I, I see his name, Fromm. I just want to pass on him. So um, <laughs> uh, at 405 here, I'm going to add another running back, the last running back that I feel like I would draft at all at this point. Uh, slightly short for running back, I guess, but He's a thick body guy. Um, I know Matt Waldman's pretty high on him. Uh, I know a lot of other players or a lot of other uh, analysts are starting to kind of grow some buzz for him. It's Khalil Herbert, um, kind of like the other running backs. I think they kind of shuffle in. They could turn into a good backup, good handcuff, maybe more. Yeah, I actually, he was one of the other exciting. When you talk about players that I watch and immediately jumped off, kind of like, oh, wow. Who's this? How much does he weigh? Those were the kind of things when I started watching Khalil Herbert, I was like, okay, this, you know, where, where, what, what kind of, how is he going to fit into an NFL team? But yeah, there's definitely some juice. Um, it, you know, when you get into more of his less highlight type plays, that's when I really start to worry. There's a lot of plays where he kind of gets same thing with Kenneth Gainwell a little bit, where it's like they just get stopped behind the line. There's a lot of plays where they can't, they can't move the pile. And so it looks, you know, the highlight reel looks good when you start watching play to play you wonder if there's not going to be a little bit bigger back on the field with them or, you know, instead of them in a lot of cases. So that's my only concern. John, what you got? Yeah. So I'm going to go to a guy that, um, you know, I was exposed to very early in my draft process. I don't really get eyes on these guys until after the season. Sonny, I think you and I have talked about that before, but uh, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, a bit older, um, not really, you know, a guy that I would want to target from a profile perspective. But again, just going strictly off of what I see on film, uh, this guy, he's got a lot of juice. Uh, he's got a lot of toughness and ability in the open field as well. A former defensive back. So, you know, hoping again, he's a guy that could end up in a landing spot similar to a guy like Kadarius Tony. Uh, I feel like he's almost like a discounted Kadarius Tony. So uh, four oh six. I don't. I don't hate the the uh, the draft capital here. Yeah, I agree. He's older. That was the only thing that concerned me about him. He's like twenty four years old already, and he's not a big guy. But he's one of those guys that maybe that I kind of target as a potential like get him in. You're not going to get much like trade value out of him. He is uh, somebody that you kind of hold and hope for some kind of production value um, because. He's not the, the age isn't there. He is kind of fast. I guess there could be some kind of boost bump with him. But yeah, I, I like. There's a lot of things that he's actually he's a feisty player too. I like the way he for his size. He's a blocker. He's he's competitive. Dwayne Eskridge and he's a darling of a number of different um, kind of analysts that I've heard in the industry. So it's not. I don't think he's going to go um, completely overlooked. 
But I, if he starts to fall to this range in the fourth round, I can't complain about that at all because he, he is one of those few guys that could really uh, jump beyond where you see him. And the age and everything is not going to be super appealing, but in terms of production value, definitely there. I like it. Yeah, Dwayne Eskridge joins uh, Brandon Whedon and Hayden Hurst as the <laughs> Medicare eligible players to get drafted. So great pick. <laughs> our, be, ages, our, our resident ages, <laughs> Charles Chill, my man. Beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is a, it feels, I mean, you guys probably feel like the fourth round in last year's draft felt so good. You're getting guys like, you know, Gabriel Davis was going in the fourth round. Donovan Peoples Jones was going in the fourth round. There were some good profiles. Albert Oak Webinom was going in the fourth round last year. And now you look at players like, I'll take Hunter Long here just because I think he's probably got round three, round four draft capital. Uh, it's, you know, he kind of reminds me of somebody like Ian Thomas, where he's really not going to blow you away with anything other than you just got to hope he lands in a spot and he impresses the coaches and he can get on the field. So it's probably the least sexy pick that I've made, but uh, I've usually seen him. I've had a couple rookie drafts already, uh, and he's gone a little bit higher. So I'll just go Hunter Long at uh, 407. Yeah, he has some of that wit into him too. He's he's If he could get the right spot, and I don't know if we, if we have a throwback – system that would fit him but hey if he defines the right system i still see some potential for him he could he could uh he's like a less athletic tyler higby or something too there's there's some potential there with him along at the fourth round tight end premium okay so what do we have is it my pick now we're at three eight i'm gonna go ahead and take josh palmer of tennessee the wide receiver i like his profile i think he's a guy that's he didn't get a lot of opportunity. The passing game wasn't real great. I love the way he plays football. I feel like he's got great body control, um, ball tracking skills. And his, while he's not an elite athlete, he's a pretty good athlete and he's physical. Enough things about him that he's one of those late round guys I talked about in my late round flyer podcast that I would invest in. And so sitting here the late round or the fourth round, I feel like that's a pretty good investment and we'll kind of you know, maybe I'd switch it up with a couple other names, running backs, receivers that I have on the list and do one of each kind of get three of each of them or something, and then see which one hits and see if I can land on one of them. So, but this, in this league, in this particular one, we're going to go ahead and go with Josh Palmer. Nice. Uh, I think to kind of piggyback on what you guys are saying about the fourth round too, is and these are all waiver wire guys too. I mean, whether we take them now or we pick them up later, it's going to be grab your guys that you don't want to spend a couple bucks a fab on um, and, and kind of hope for the best. My guy in the fourth round here uh, had a lot of promise when he came into college football, had a lot of great wide receivers around him when he played. So he didn't get a big, uh, a great chance to show out. This was supposed to be his year. He's an older prospect senior prospect i'm going to take frank darby i like his downfield ball skills i don't know if i'm just looking at the number but every once in a while him and Dwayne eskridge look a little bit similar and i i just i have a thing for arizona state wide receivers so i'm going to take frank darby at this point your reasoning is good as any that i can come up with as well so there you go all right john let's just finish this round this thing out we're almost at the two hour mark this is working out perfectly yeah, so f here for me, uh, again, every well I would consider it all dried up at this point. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Kyle Trask, but had he been here around this spot, that's probably where I'd be looking for him. 
Um, but I'm going to look at the tight end position because there are a couple guys that I do like. I don't, I won't mind throwing in my taxi squad. Uh, I'm trying to make a decision here uh, between Trey McKitty and Kenny Aboa. Um, and so two guys that I think have uh, athletic profiles. McKitty doesn't have a ton of production. So I'm probably going to go with Yaboa on that front. Um, and so, you know, just taking a shot here on a tight end, I'm going to stick him in my taxi squad. Uh, and if he turns it into something and I'm, I'm able to flip him, especially with this roster already having Kyle Pitts and Tommy Tremble, which I feel good about that, then hopefully uh, I can turn Yaboa into something, uh, something more valuable down the line. All right, Scott. Yeah, last pick. I think Dave made a good point that you're basically picking a player. You know, it, you probably don't want to pick in this range, but I think if you're if you're gonna select somebody, you have to ask yourself. Don't look at the profile necessarily. You probably want to look at is there a path to where somebody else could see value in the player, or could you actually see some value on your roster? I think it's all about value. So as much, I mean, I like Kenny Yaboa a lot. There's a couple other tight ends that are extremely raw that are basically just traits players. Think of a guy like Steven Sullivan from last year where you're almost willing to just park him for like three years and hope that the athleticism shines through at some point. Um, I just have a hard time seeing anything change with their status. So I would have probably said like, I'll let somebody like Kenny Yaboa probably go to waivers, but you know, I like the player. I think it's a good profile uh, but probably just not much movement that you're going to see, especially if you have a waiver wire that like locks after the draft and doesn't open up until the season. Uh, so I'll go last pick. I guess typically if you're going to pick in this range, you it, it can't be bad to take another running back just to see what might shake out. You never know when somebody's going to emerge and be better than you thought. Um, I honestly had never really even looked at Tariq Cohen the year that he got drafted. Uh, he got better than expected draft capital and ended up actually making the depth chart. So I'll go with JV on Hawkins. Uh, I don't think he goes before late round five. So it's a really low bet, uh, but it's a decent college running back that wasn't early declare. So I'll just go with that. And uh, you know, hopefully he makes waves wherever he lands. So JV on Hawkins. Another Chris Sims darling there. Oh, is that a Chris Sims guy? Yeah. He and was I hate number three running back, I think. Oh wow! I like yeah, Najee I like, Harris at five, so yeah. or four. Maybe. I don't like Javion Hawkins it's, anyway because he's a Louisville Cardinal. But I mean, number, <laughs> Chris Sims having him in the top five. I mean, that's uh, that's ridiculous. That's way out there. Yeah, it's not very big. He's like 180 pounds or so. I, I liked what I saw from him. I could see like like you said, Scott. If there's a Tariq Cohen spot for him and a team really like sees him in that, and we see it, that draft kind of capital and everything work out, then there then then you know great. Otherwise, yeah, it's just another name. So it was a lot of names here. I'm looking over my last few names. I would say, I will say this just in terms of it is a super flex. Uh, names like Jamie Newman, um, Ian Book. I like, I really like Ian Book. I don't know, maybe I'm like the only guy. I just, I thought Ian Book is a backup quarterback or the running position. They got some Tebow to him or just, but maybe a little batter passing. Uh, and then Sam Ellinger. There's some like quarterbacks that I just want to see where they go, that they could go in this range. I'm not going to take them. In fact, um, and there's like Larry Roundtree's another guy that I would consider here, Cornell Powell. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take a guy that's a Debbie prospect of mine and a guy that I've been kind of high on and was a little disappointed by, maybe more than a little disappointed, a lot disappointed by his combine or pro day numbers. And that's Demetric Felton um, out of UCLA. I just think that when I watch him play, I love watching a player that can 
that just break people down as a wide receiver. And he has after right after the catch ability of a running back and he has return ability. So his athleticism really didn't pop in the pro day. And I don't know if that was just a bad day. I'm going to give him a little more credit than his really, really poor performance. Uh, but it's hard to boost him up to where, you know, to kind of match up with the film where he, he does look like dynamic at times. Um, but I, I, you know, like I said, I still have a little twinkle in my eye for, for uh, Demetric Felton. I think that depending on he's saying he's going to go out as wide receiver, um, we'll just see where in the draft and all that stuff. But I think there's some potential for a guy who can do returns, um, who, when you see him in the senior bowl, he was breaking people down. If you go watch Demetric Felton in the senior bowl, there was not another wide receiver that, that owned cornerbacks the way Demetric Felton did. And yet like he's a running back or was a running back. So he has those running back skills as well. Uh, at the last pick of the fourth round, I think this could somehow turn out to be a gym. Although like I said, my excitement is slightly dampered uh, with his pro day performance, but Try not to put too much performance in that. The guy is a football player, and he's versatile. Plays a lot of positions as well. So then I'm going with Demetric Felton. Anything well, else? Anything to add? What we got, guys? Any other names to just throw out real quick um, that you that you were on this list close that you might have taken? Daz Newsom. Daz Newsom. Yeah, Jonathan Adams. Uh, yeah. Cornell Powell. Yeah. If you're just looking traits, that that Illinois uh, receiver Josh Amater Bebe that basically blew up the pro day just from a oh, the pure 46. straight. Yeah. The, the 46 and a half inch vertical, which is just <laughs> now, now you wonder Marquez Stevenson was another one. I mean, this is a yeah, Marquez Stevenson, oh, deep. Yeah. Oh, Antonio Nunn is uh, getting some buzz as well. The wide receiver from Buffalo. He's, he's getting some buzz as a guy that could see some good draft capital. So Jalen Darden, uh, Jalen Darden. Uh, there you go. That's a popular little name. Another popular name that it was, this is a Waldman one, but I two, actually two. kind of liked him was the, uh, what's his, uh, Jaquan Jacob Hardy, oh. Jaquan Hardy, the running back out of Tiffin. I liked what I saw from him. And then I, I heard Waldman mention him. And so that's, that's one that, uh, kind of keep an eye and hope he kind of dampens a little bit, get him free agent, something like that. Yeah. two two uh, is definitely the one that's going to get drafted well. the highest. Wow. For sure. yeah, we didn't yeah. even talk about two, two. I, I have no interest, but I could see where we would have to move him in there. If he gets drafted with any kind of capital that he's being talked about drafted. So another guy that's interesting as well as the Stanford guy, Simi, uh, Fihoko. Yeah. Fihoko. Yeah. I, yeah, he tested yeah. pretty well. <sighs> yeah. I, there was parts of me that I, I wanted to like him more than I did. Like I, I liked certain aspects of his toughness and stuff, but I, I found it hard to project him into the NFL. Another guy, just so many bodies. Just yeah. after, I mean, Fihoko, I, I just looking at his speed score data, it's the best in the class, but there's literally nothing else to him other than that. So, but I mean, <laughs> if you're going, you're going for just one thing, right? If you're picking up guys, like you're just looking for one trait or one angle uh, for some sort of value. So, for sure. Yeah. I mean, what if a guy like that ends up in Tampa Bay? Then you suddenly become more intrigued, right? So it's really going to be about yep. the landing spots with these guys as well. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. This was fantastic. I thought there was just so much good content here. I hope the, I hope the listeners enjoyed it. Uh, if you know, if you guys want to find these guys, they, they, besides Dave, who is just kind of a listener, but also I think he did a fantastic job. Hats off to you, Dave. You, you, you create a lot of good content. Check out the other two. Check out John. Check out Scott. They have great podcasts. They're just great dynasty minds, and I really appreciate you guys coming on. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for going on. Thanks, yes, for thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks Great for having job, us, man. Dave. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, Dave, you are definitely uh, one one of us. One of us. One <laughs> well, of. <laughs> yeah. All right, we will see you guys soon. Happy draft day. We'll see you after the draft.